しあぐいづきし四つにたるゆきし人のものを捕らえたる者には黄金十枚その所在を訴え入れたる者には黄金三枚を本性としては同劇者なりよって旦那を取らせ Last January, we started our first adventure month for the Kira Kurosawa's iconic sweeping samurai epic, Seven Samurai. Kurosawa's three hour and 20 minute long samurai masterpiece is the definitive film of the genre. It was released in 1954 and has been recreated as a Western like a dozen times over, solidifying the link between the samurai and Western genres. Tonight's Kurosawa film, The Hidden Fortress, has inspired filmmakers in a very different genre. Hidden Fortress is a Jediaki, a type of historical drama which is generally set in the Edo period. It's also your classic adventure film. The Hidden Fortress is the story of a ragtag group of two peasants, a general, a prostitute, and a princess trying to save a princess whose clan has been wiped out by the evil imperial. Wait, no, not imperial. The evil stormtroopers <laughs> of the, well, the feudal Yamana clan. Okay, you've probably guessed. This is the film that George Lucas. Has claimed inspired the first Star Wars film. If you strike me down, I shall become more powerful than you can possibly imagine. The clans, like in many of Kurosawa's works, are in a state of constant war with each other, with each one trying to liberate the riches, gold, and treasure they've stashed away. The people who live within these lands, the peasants, villagers, and unnamed soldiers, are given a really hard time, especially when a war is ongoing. And that's where we start with two of the most pathetic peasants bumbling around a battlefield they arrived at late, hoping to hawk some weapons they bought. Since the battle is over, they're mistaken for the soldiers on the other side and forced to bury the dead. <laughs> They are then swept up as soldiers from the Yamana clan want to find the gold left behind by Princess Yuki's family, as well as the princess herself. Thrown into the fortress, into tunnels, and through the ruins of the battlefield as Yamana clan soldiers shoot at them for sport. Our two peasants are able to escape from this, and on their escape, they do find a small bit of the gold left behind by Princess Yuki's clan. While wandering, they come across a powerful warrior, played by Kurosawa's favorite actor, Toshiro Mifune. He's the general of the clan, Rokuroda Makabe, although he has not heard that name in a long time, or something close to that. Now that's a name I've not heard in a long time. A long time. Makabe Rokuroda! Makabe Rokuroda? Without really asking their permission, because who does, the general joins the peasants in a mission to get out of the death's, well, Yamana territory to rescue Princess Yuki so she can rebuild her clan with her gold reserve. One of the themes throughout Kurosawa's work is about the backwardness of the feudal order and how it makes peasants and villagers into greedy, selfish creatures. <laughs> <laughs> 
This is not the fault of the peasants. I mean, who wouldn't be greedy if you're starving half the time? But it leads to situations where nothing can get done, no quest can be completed without the peasants constantly taking off and trying to steal the gold. And they do, again and again and again. This is why Kurosawa saw in rebuilding Japan after World War II the need for socioeconomic freedom rather than a return to antiquated feudal hierarchy. Of course, the greed also counterintuitively makes Roku Roda know he always has a way to make the peasants do his bidding. At the top of the social hierarchy, the feudal princess raised in the way that's uncomfortable she's raised as a boy and taken away from the normal people she'd ostensibly be ruling over. I mean, when everyone from the average villager to the warlords in the next territory wants to steal your clan's gold, it makes sense. But this leads to an alienated noble order, even if the young princess craves knowing regular people that she rules over. Some of the most iconic shots in the Hidden Fortress are taken right into Star Wars. The fight between General Tadakoro and Roku Roda has a very similar shot breakdown. The spears that they use can function much the same way that lightsabers do. And General Tadakoro's face, scarred after his loss, is a lot like Darth Vader's when he finally takes off his helmet. The film shoot was a very long process something that Japanese studios aren't known for and don't particularly like. The end of this film shoot took place during a massive typhoon which shut things down on Mount Fuji. The length of the shoot led to Kurosawa's infamous final break with Studio Toho and Kurosawa starting his own studio. Of course, the break wasn't exactly sudden as Kurosawa's budgets and the scope of his films have been causing Toho anxiety since Rashomon. The Hidden Fortress was Kurosawa's most commercially successful film yet at least in Japan, where it was Studio Toho's highest-grossing film in 1958. It would be blown out of the water three years later when Yojimbo arrived to massive popularity. Anyway, before I introduce the panel, please like this video and subscribe to the Movie Night Extravaganza YouTube channel. Hit that bell to get notified whenever we're streaming. Also, we are now monetized, so if you have any pressing questions during this live stream, send us a super chat, which helps me keep the show running, which I am obligated by international law, human rights law, to answer. We also have a Patreon, patreon.com slash movie night extra. All of our after parties are on there forever. We also have a new Discord and a Letterboxd HQ account. So those are two more places to follow along with us. Links are in the description. Okay, let me introduce the panel. Conan Neutron, host of Britonic Reversal, co-host of Movie Night Extravaganza, and frontman for Conan Neutron and the Secret Friends, neutronfriends.bandcamp.com. Conan Neutron and the Secret Friends has a new split LP with Lung, Adult Prom, available now on Bandcamp. J. Andrew World, illustrator, book cover artist, artist for Gives of an Argument, co-host for Movie Night Extravaganza, and Bad Takes. Christina Oaks, this Barbie is streaming on Twitch, twitch.tv slash Cosmopolitics, Twitter, Instagram, and Blue Sky at Cosmopolitics. Send her some subs on Twitch. A.T. Baldessaro is an actress, director, and writer who co-wrote and directed and also starred in Girl in the Basement, along with appearing in quite a few horror movies. You can also catch her voice acting 
in the scripted podcast series, The Starwell Foundation, an audio drama set in the city of superheroes, wherever podcasts are listened to, and her new film podcast, What If I Don't Like It? New episodes bi-monthly. I, of course, am your host, The Hidden Forest. Yes, that <laughs> one was absolutely terrible, but I'm only a peasant with no gold. What do you expect? <laughs> There it is, folks. There it is. <laughs> the hidden forest. I'm on. Uh, I'm on team peasants that uh, don't have any gold because I totally get it. Like I, dude, he's a general. They don't know him. They don't know him from shit. He's not even from their village. Like what? What, is, what does it matter if they take off with his gold? He has gold. He keeps on showing them like all the fucking gold he has. That's true. <laughs> That's true. They really did have a like Rosencrantz and Guildenstern haplessness about themselves. Or like or, they just kept or, falling into stuff. Or an R two D two C three PO. Well, yeah. So <laughs> Lucas's whole thing, and I, I don't feel so bad bringing it up early on because it's literally in the intro. But mm-hmm. his his whole thing was like <clears throat> telling the story from the position of people that are not in this privileged class that are necessarily doing the fighting, but showing the perspective from the the un, the underserved, right? So in, so in, in Star Wars, is droids. Yes. And in this case, they're they're peasants. But it is what's the difference? Am I right? <laughs> hey, but hey, it is interesting. Solo, there isn't one. <laughs> uh, but it is interesting because it is it is a different kind of storytelling when you're telling a grand sweeping adventure, which is what this is. I yeah. mean, you could argue a lot of Kurosawa movies are, but like this one especially is like set and. And, and and fired off to be like an adventure movie explicitly rather than some some grander story. And part of that was was interesting to me is that like oh he was like basically I need to make some money on here, uh, <laughs> and this is what he came up with, which is great. But th- again, the idea of the story that like even, even though they're um, <laughs> you know C three PO and R two D two are maybe more relatable, amazingly, uh, but the idea that like you have these these guys that are they're not gonna be doing the fighting they're not gonna be doing the ruling they're just like wandering around from place to place it makes it it, it brings the adventure part out of it which is like what this month is all about right which, which is like we're, we're talking about adventure movies and and it's interesting that how he interpreted that first of all by the way in the criterion version of this there's an interview with lucas and he's like oh well i really like kurosawa and he named off like three kurosawa movies i'm like yes yes oh and i guess hidden fortress is good too i'm like I have oh that, yeah i have that uh I have that interview. I saw that. I was like, motherfucker, please. (laughs) (laughs) He's like, he's like, I I, I would put, of course, uh, Yo Jimbo up there. I would, I would put uh, Seven Samurai, uh, you know, uh, yeah, Rashomon, like all good movies. Uh, I guess Hidden Fortress too, but. uh, Oh yeah. Yeah. That one. Yeah. No Throne of Blood. I mean, come on. (laughs) Yeah. It's just, it's just kind of funny because it is, I mean, like the transitions, the scene transitions with the wipes, right? Like, yo, this right here, ground zero for that. Like, and it does work. He also, in that same interview, goes on to be like, yeah, we both had princesses, but I think that's just a coincidence. Like, (laughs) you can't say that if you're the second person. Like, (laughs) (laughs) but I mean, like, he used it to his own effect and like, whatever, just just as if, you know, especially with Indiana Jones uh, and Star Wars, both they were, you know, inspired by the serials, uh, the old... Uh, you know, movie serials like Flash Gordon and things along those lines as well. But it's like, it's like, dude, it's okay. It's not like you ripped off Seven Samurai like some other movies. Yeah. How many? How many? Like five of them. <laughs> <laughs> I think we gave up counting them last year, right? We're like, oh, that's they're, they're all they're all like the something seven. It's like you know, yeah. the magnificent yep. seven. The you know, the sometimes they change it to like six or eight. They're like, yeah, oh, this yeah. Is the, you know, this this is the <laughs> this is the sensual six. <laughs> <laughs> 
that's, that's, that's on the pay channels, if you know what I mean. Yeah. But it's interesting that like he would it's so viewable even now, even though it's 1958. Yeah. And it's almost because the cinematography is so stealable that you could still steal it in the 70s and have people be like, yes. Yeah. So what's what's great about that? And I and and beyond being like, oh, it, this is such a gorgeous looking movie. Like the the it looks so cool and so enveloping and sweeping. I didn't realize at the time this is his first widescreen film. Because mm. like, that's how far back this dude goes, right? They're like, oh, we can, we can shoot in widescreen now. We have these different lenses, which is like, and he uses Soho. all they of call it. it. They call yes. it Soho Vision, despite yeah. the fact that he kind of broke off his uh, direct was, this studio is, involvement. Yeah, this is it was like first. one foot out of the door. Those guys, but yeah, we're still calling it Toho Vision. Yeah, <laughs> uh, no, but it's but it's it's astounding because like if you look at the framing of the shot work, like there's a, there's a scene in here that's like that Ford took for the searchers. Like wholesale, you know, where where and it's and it's great, and I didn't catch these are things I didn't catch the first time I saw it, but like it really works, and I think KT, what you're saying about like it doesn't seem like it's it's long, it's moving long, but like it doesn't really feel like it because it just moves right along. And you got those like, you know, we have no we have no time for a proper transition. It's just there it is, and now you're with these guys, and this is happening. And now you're over here, and now it's over there. Like it, it just moves, it cooks, you know. Well, it takes, yeah. it takes like thirty five minutes for them to even get started on an adventure, or like for anyone right. to even decide that they're going on an adventure, right? Like because yeah. they kind of just meet the general, and he's like, "I'm either going to kill you, or like we can we could go on the stuff." Uh, he's on together. the. It could go either way, right? Yeah. That's what's so crazy is our 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 basically our hero is decides like, hmm, do you have utility to me or not? Yeah. And it's and it's like that's could go like it's not like he's gonna just leave him there. It's like he's gonna kill him if not, which is and and because insane. they're because they're the the human equivalent of map quest. He decides that <laughs> exactly. exactly. They're kind of more like ways. Let's be honest. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, One of uh, the the great things I love about Kurosawa's uh, shooting, I, I know, it was pointed out by uh, Nerd Writer. If you ever watch his video essay on on Kurosawa versus Joss Whedon, for some reason. I don't know why it's those two, but whatever. Let's why those two things? Okay. Set, set that aside. Uh, I think it was Got also like, uh, I, I think it was also, um, no, it was Kurosawa and Zack Snyder, but then he also brought up uh, Joss Whedon in it. But one of the things he, he uh, showed Kurosawa that like, when Kurosawa uh, talks about shots, like, like one of the things he always does is try to bring nature into it somehow to right. create like an organic feel. And like, mm -hmm. the, even though this one does not give you time to really sit there and meditate on nature, like, um, uh, you know, some movies where you're just like watch like there's a strip from a leaky uh, roof in the background of a shot or something like that. This doesn't give you time to meditate on that. Uh, like, like it's it's all there. And it's just so much of that, that stuff yeah. you're just taking in uh, because it's it's a lot. What do you think this is? Tarkovsky? Thank you. <laughs> uh, no, but like it, it's natural landscape is a big thing like it's one of one of the most for me one of the funniest scenes by the way and this is there are some very funny scenes of this yes. is when they 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 crawl up there you know they scale the mountain and they go over the top to the actual titular hidden fortress and they look down and then to share a phoenix character is like what are you idiots doing up there <laughs> like, he just, like why didn't you take the door <laughs> Or is it just him laughing when they go down that tunnel? He just keeps turning around and laughing hysterically. Yeah, like, oh, yeah, yeah. it's great. Like, that's my new favorite way to respond to shit I don't want to respond to. Yeah, just laugh at it. Well, yeah. it's the same thing they're they, all mad when when they pitch their they pitch their plan. He just starts laughing. He realizes later on he starts laughing because he's relieved he's not going to kill them. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I, I um, mean, like, you know, you can ask Conan. I did the same thing to him when he first came to my house. I, I just kept laughing and turning and laughing. Okay. Uh, and he's just like, well, what are you laughing about? 
Um, but like e- even like the fire festival in here, which is like a really like I think incredible scene, and honestly like also a very funny scene that they kind of just join up with the fire festival where all the peasants are doing yeah. their like celebration of fire, and they all put the wood in, and then they're mm-hmm. like, dude, what gives? Like you 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 joined our parade, like you have to give us the wood. So they yeah. start throwing the gold in the fire. Like even right. that is like just such an interesting celebration of nature and like the mm-hmm. natural surroundings around these things because you, you forget that even though they're in this like Yamana territory, right? Like the evil villain territory, like there still are just peasants like going about their peasant stuff, like mm-hmm. yeah, uh, you know, in the middle of the field. <laughs> well, yeah, and it's and it's it's part of what makes it immersive, right? And especially like and again, some of the hard crash cuts of uh you know with, with the screen wipes too like where you see like all the peasants going like up the stairs and then you see like the all the soldiers going down at the same time like it's again dude is just massively taking advantage of the fact that you've got like a lot more room to work with on the screen which is crazy to think about right because like yeah of course we do it's movies but like that was like no this was new <laughs> this was it- real new it was so immersive in those scenes because the sets felt so real. Like, I mean, think about yeah. um, Raiders of the Lost Ark, the big scene at the end where the stone where the, the Ark is on it versus the stone of the steps in that scene you're talking about. Yeah. And the difference in time, which was felt like I kept being like, is this outside? Is this inside? Is this mil- built? Is this just somewhere they went to? It was lovely. I mean, another another time they kind of really take advantage of it is like the uh, the border caravan. Um, as Fox News would call it, I guess, with everybody coming up. But, but caravan, really, the caravan, the caravan, the caravan, the caravan, the migrant caravan. They show you the they show you the bridge from like this really amazing mm-hmm. like wide shot, and not really thinking about it as like a you know this is the first time that um, you know Kurosawa is able to do that kind of wide shot. He really takes his time showing you everybody on that bridge and like how yeah. easy it, how easy it may turn out to be for you know the princess and the general and everyone to kind of get through this bridge with a with a, you know a pack uh pack mule caravan thing full of gold um you know. with, with the dumbest cops uh in yeah. a long time too who like come by and we're like hey we're we're looking for like uh you know four people and some horses anyone seen like that <laughs> it was like oh no not us sir <laughs> no no nothing like that okay but no, this is say, like five people with a cart some, yeah they see four people and some horses it's five people with a cart and yeah. one horse and one horse <laughs> And they're like, well, this doesn't fit the description. Let's move yeah, on. And then they come, <laughs> but then they come back with this. She's like, oh shit, hold on, that might have been that. <laughs> which is the which one is key fact is that they had a ton of wood with gold in it's it. So Describe them wood. by the wood. <laughs> it's but the I, that really but I love that because <laughs> the way Kurosawa shoots it is like you, you you see the road, you see the full road, like the mm-hmm. like the, the, the path, and then they like go down the road, and they're talking. And they're like, oh wow, it sucks. It's awesome. Those guys were dumb as hell, right? Okay, you know, cool. And then you see them come back, and like, like it's such a great use of um, a perspective. And then, of course, that, that great action scene too, where just like Tashiro Mifume just just kills them, like like it was nothing with no weapons. It, right. it's, it's yeah, you know. Oh, the whole. I mean, I feel like I don't want to jump ahead, but I feel like the whole like duel scene is amazing. Oh my like, god, the duel scene was so amazing. It got my heart rate up to like one eighty while I was on the elliptical. <laughs> I did a I did a half That's a mile awesome. in that ten minutes because I was just transfixed from the beginning, like where he's choosing a weapon and they're all like like mad scared of them, <laughs> you know, and they're kind of moving around like oh like like whatever, like from the very beginning it just it rocks it's so well and again the usage of spears versus swords means that like they are further apart, mm-hmm. so again taking advantage of like the widescreen format right and and, mm-hmm. and like it's not. 
I never, I didn't catch the lightsaber thing the first time I saw this force. But when you brought that, up, I'm like, oh yeah, it is kind of like a lightsaber battle if you stop and think about well, it. Like the way that the way that uh, George Lucas chooses to see um, Vader and Obi Wan as like yeah. equally matched, right? Right. Is right. that they have these long sequences where they're both pressing the lightsabers up against each other, and then it goes, and then they flip it like this, and one guy, you know, one guy gets on top of the other other guy yeah. with the saber, and in this, uh, it's the same thing, but with spears. Which you know, like a little bit, yeah. a little bit more anticlimactic than like, oh, if you touch this, it'll you know burn your hand right off or whatever. Right. But like, still, 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 the battle, the battle really does get your like heart rate up. And then at the end of it, you know, um, he just kind of gallops away, and he's like, oh, I lost the battle, and he's like, I won the battle. What are you gonna? Well, do? and he's supposed to <laughs> kill him, and he doesn't do it. Yeah, and yeah. like in in that culture, that's like you know that that's one of the worst things that you can do to someone. And then he has the option of well, he could do harakiri. But he chooses not to, and He's so it's all the <laughs> it's all, all the more notable for the story that like he does that turn and basically saves him. So like basically, mm -hmm. if <laughs> Toshiro Mifune's character had had killed him, then they would they story would have ended completely differently, right? That kind of also reminded me a little of Lando Calrissian with the like yeah. he's oh, their sure. friend and then he treated on him, but then he helps him yeah. get out at the end. Well, just so much uh, betrayal and like, you know, the, the inside of these power sources, you know, these clans mm -hmm. are each, um, you know, equally matched in, the, in this universe. And like the betrayal of like, well, I could get more gold or I could get more, uh, you know, knock at the other side of my face guard, I guess, in this. If, you know, it gets pretty jacked up. Yeah. To be clear. It's, just like, it, it's like that kind of thing, right? Like everybody's always betraying everybody. And that's one of the things that in Star Wars um, is always kind of cool that like everybody has their own weird self-interest. And half the time you don't know that they're going to betray everyone else for their own self-interest. And then half the time they inexplicitly like go the other direction at the end of it. You know what I mean? Like a Lando Calrissian kind of thing. Like, so in this, that's all over this. Like that, that's, you know, on a much more visceral level, I think, because everybody's like fucking poor in this movie. Like if you're not with yeah. one of these clans, you have, you don't have any, you have no territory because the clan owns the land. You have no gold. You know, like for the for the peasants, that one piece of gold is a huge deal. Is a huge deal, and I think yeah. that I think it gets that across in Seven Samurai, which of course we covered last year in uh, the first movie night adventure. But but I think it gets across in a different way in this mm -hmm. one, and it's 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 used differently from a narrative function, not the least of which is to contrast with the princess who rules. By the way, like yes. 20, 24 minutes in, I got a bit. She's great and and a novice. She was like brought in to do this basically, and she's freaking awesome. <laughs> It's like totally All right, so, I, so I got so I got this, and it took me a it took me a really long time to find. I was looking hard body for the Criterion. Um, so they have like this little. This is from Studio Toho. It's like okay. a making of documentary kind of thing that they did for each one of Kurosawa's films. And I feel like I went on a quest because I, I spent uh, the entirety of like Saturday night trying to track <laughs> looking down, for clips. Couldn't. And then I saw a bunch of clips in Japanese, and I was like, "Well, this looks like the Hidden Fortress, you know, like uh, poster. I'll click on it." And I found it in Japanese. I was like, oh yes. wow yeah it's crazy because the actual uh, on the criterion channel it's literally just there's like the commentary and the george lucas interview and that's it yeah so, well this one comes with the dvd i guess they, yeah they yeah I was gonna say, that's, they're lying to you people get physical media it's the only way you can find <laughs> this stuff so it's called the uh it's called the studio toho masterworks project each one of kurosawa's films they made like an episode of this masterworks show where they talked to everybody involved in it nice Okay, 
ワイド画面を縦横に使ってスピードのある痛快娯楽時代劇にしたのが隠し取りでの三悪人です主演は秋月の侍大将真壁六郎谷三船敏郎戦場で一儲けを企んだ二人の農民役に千秋実と藤原鎌足雪姫役には映画界とは全く無縁だった上原美さんに白羽の矢が雪姫役は一般から募集しますが応募者の中には見当たらず偶然にスカウトした女性でしたお姫様っぽい良さがやっぱりあるでしょこの映画の拡張を支える重要な人物雪姫黒沢監督はいかに雪姫を作り上げるのか全部全部それこそこねあげて作り上げるか動きでもみんなそうだしさ、うん、先生があのここで何歩歩いてこうとかさこうなもう全部やるんだから言われた通りにしか動けないでしょ、うん、でもみんなロケ長いロケでは「姫姫」って言ってみんな大事にしてましたよ。うん監督はまず髪型とメイクから始めます上原のメイクはなぜかエリザベス・テイラーの写真を持ってこられ上原は不思議だったと語っています上原は体の線が細いので強い女に仕上げるため肩や胸などには綿の入った下着肉襦袢を着せますあのマノン稽古っていうのはあの時何回も言ってきましたけれどもじゃああれで初めて覚えたんですかまあでもよく高いところに立って向こう指さすなんてそれ怖かったわよねあの時はねでもよく自分の下に怒ったらどうにもほんとよねあのあの時はこう中腰みたいに立ってこう指さすそうそうそうそうそう何か結構そういう期間はありましたねそうよねほんとにずいぶんいろいろなすったから大変だったわね切れ味をよくするとそういうためでまあむちをいつももっとキリッとするっていう、えーえー、気高い表情を見せる雪姫が生まれます She makes such good use of that writing crap too. It's like her like point, it's like her pointer, it's like her gesticulating. Well, it's like her whip. She yeah, whips the yeah. peasants with it. She whips yeah. like mm. the, the, the soldiers get... that uh, joined them for a brief moment before they got shot. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> right, exactly. Um, I, I, uh, that actually explains the ending because, like, uh, back in the Edo period, the hottest thing a woman could do is shave off her eyebrows and paint them in the middle of her forehead. And uh, but, like, in the movies, they don't often do that because, like, I mean, who who really gonna shave off their eyebrows for a film? Um, but like at the very end, you'll, you'll notice that, uh, and I'm not sure if they, she actually did shave her eyebrows or just did a really good job. Oh, when she's like on the, on the, the seat of power, you you don't see the eyebrows where they're supposed to be. You see the marks on the top of her head where, where it's on eyebrows. And it's like, they might've been able to glue it and do some latex. I don't know. Yeah. Who knows how much they had back in, you know, 1950, whatever in Japan, but, Mm -hmm. Uh, Their eyebrow I, technology is off the chart. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I don't know. You thought television was something. You should have seen the eyebrows. But but uh, you know, going back to watching a lot of these films, you'll notice not, not a lot of the princesses actually do that uh, shaving the right. eyebrows and painting them in the middle of the forehead because mm -hmm. who wants to go around for a couple of months without any eyebrows? Well, and I guess maybe that 
helped that uh, Princess Yuki, uh, uh, the the actress Misahara, is she was not an actress. Yeah, <laughs> she was they're basically like, picked for like, the role. Since you're not, yeah, an she actress. won't go back in before uh, it gets released. Yeah, like, since you're not an actress, we're, we're fine. She having your eyebrows. Yeah. You're, you don't you don't yeah. have an agent that's going to be mad about that. Yeah. She was amazing though for for first She's so role. good, yeah. And I'm, I'm like, wow. Yeah. She's so needlessly intense, like all the time. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and then, like when there's that like attempted reverse psychology that Tushar Mafuni's mm-hmm. character does, and, and he says, like, "He says I'm going to do reverse. I'm going to do reverse psychology on you." <laughs> <laughs> she's like, "Hey, you're not getting me with that reverse psychology." Okay, I'll play along. Yeah, <laughs> but that's like her kind of softening up a little bit. You know, like she also, she also just straight up says, "I'm a handful." Yeah, like, she knows. She yeah. knows. <laughs> She's got it. She's a princess. Are you guys I, familiar with yeah. the clip that's going around of Ethan Hawke talking about the difference between directors who have been actors and directors who have just gone to cinematography school? Oh no! no oh, it's it's. A, I'm I'm going to paraphrase it. It's very interesting and it's very astutely said. And he he says that a good director is someone who directs the acting, not the camera. The cinematographer directs the camera. The director is there to help the actors reach the beats in the script and and break apart the emotion. And so if your director used to be an actor or was an actor, is going to be a way better director. And I feel like, okay, so this woman has never acted before. That really speaks to Kurosawa's ability as a director to direct the acting. But we also know he's directed the cinematography. And when people speak about, like, why does Kurosawa get talked about so much? This shit right here. Yeah, Yeah. I mean, like, he, like, walked up to her and was like, here's Elizabeth Taylor. This is what I'm looking for. You know, <laughs> amazing. Like, like, like oh yeah, no press. <laughs> like one of like, the biggest movie obviously, stars. Obviously, the director mm-hmm. doesn't meet all the people that they're looking to cast or whatever. Like, mm-hmm. yeah. four thousand actor, like actresses that they went through, and then you know found her by accident. Um, it's, yeah, it's kind of crazy. Taylor would not shave her eyebrows. <laughs> I, would, I would just Taylor would definitely not shave yeah. her eyebrows. No, no chance. <laughs> As an actress, I'm just super jealous. I would love to be directed by someone like that. It just yeah. must be transcendent because it brings out the best in you even if you don't even have a litmus don't even have a base yet <laughs> well he has such a he has such a this clear and distinct vision mm-hmm. and, and i mean and it was uh, you know he recorded it in stereo it's in telescope as as, as mentioned like it like just mm-hmm. just using the use of the anamorphic lenses which is getting really down like the the rabbit hole with it right but like it mm-hmm. just was like this was new technology yeah <laughs> this is like I, he's like james cameron new. of his day Right. Exactly. I'm also I'm also fascinated by um, oh, yeah. you know like like with Andy saying like uh, you know it's like the Edo period that it's uh yeah. the princess would shave her eyebrows mm-hmm. like this is this is a jidaiki which is like a, a different a very specific kind of Japanese historical drama that takes place during the Edo period. I mean it, it's right. mainly plays but it's different than something like Seven Samurai which takes place during a completely different century and a different a different period of japanese history and like the you know everything gets kind of put together into like oh this is a samurai movie this is you know toshiro mofuni like you know doing the samurai thing but each of these are from like each of these films are from like a different 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 areas and and, yeah. and this is i think translation doesn't that just mean period drama too if i remember correctly yeah yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. I, and the problem sorry. oh i was just gonna say i mean it, like it's the actual the feuding clans um yeah that they they did exist just so they reached their peaks like you know yeah mm-hmm. just the named clans never actually beefed with each other um, right right yeah. i mean that's like the only thing about this movie that that uh if you if you're if you're taking a japanese history class and you're using this as a basis just don't 
um, you know, because the heights of the, because I think it was like a century before this was the height of the the one clan, and uh, uh, I can't remember exactly. But. Yeah, that's like that's like the next step beyond using cliff notes. Like, yeah, I watched a movie that ha- <laughs> about this that is like clearly oh, an man, action I adventure. That, I watched that Star Wars <laughs> movie that inspired Star Wars. I know all about Japanese history. Yeah. And the I'm pretty much an expert. But I can also see so many. So, like, not only did Star Wars rip shit off of this, I can see tons of movies that rip stuff off of this, and other samurai movies that take stuff out of this. And I can see people getting confused and being like, "Yeah, this is just like in Blue Eyed Samurai or this other thing that I saw." So, Sergio Leone was a huge fan, not just of Kurosawa, but this movie specifically. Mm -hmm. And you can tell, you can tell, and uh, uh, the the uh, movie uh, Dragon Inn, which. You can tell he's a big fan of uh, Kurosawa specifically because well, Yo sure. Jimbo I mean, just, just yeah. full dollars is basically Yojimbo. Yeah, you're right. Yeah, and uh, uh, Kurosawa also inspired kung fu films, like like as we yeah. know them today. Because before uh, Dragon Inn, which was kind of the first like modern quote unquote modern um, kung fu film, uh, they they were more like uh, operas and, and dances, and they weren't they weren't these um, uh, you know movies. And this they basically like watch a bunch of Kurosawa and like. Hey, let's make a Kurosawa film, and but let's make it for a Chinese audience, and that's what the director said. And uh, if if you ever get a chance, Dragon Inn. Uh, that's King you know, Hu, right? That's another yes. director with King in the name, which is a real power move. Yes, <laughs> and he is a king. Like let's be honest. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, in effect, if you can get the DVD, it's even better because it's got like interviews with like uh, uh, the cast, like now, and so like the, the the woman who's in it's like this little old lady, and she is hilarious because um, because she's just like. You know, talk about martial arts, but mm-hmm. <laughs> I loved it. Yeah, that's the one from '67, right? Yes. Cool. Yeah, well, and it's 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 notable because like Kurosawa, like he wasn't trying to make a big statement with this movie. Like he was trying to like make th- make something like fun and rewarding for the audience, which is yeah. rare for him because he was more like like look, if you want to hear about Seven Samurai, go listen to that episode. We go into it in depth, but there was a lot of like historically like the Jap- japanese culture was trying to get over a bunch of things at the time and and it was a message movie ultimately for, for a number of reasons and you know even like high and low like there there there's like things that he's like trying to say with it and he usually was trying to make some manner of artistic statement but hidden fortress it was like let's have some fun it'll look cool and everyone will have a good time and it's like maybe one of the only times yeah. he did that yeah <laughs> it's like two other but he times. also he also does manage to get through the same kind of message he does uh, yeah. in Seven Samurai by having the, the peasants just be these like kind of greedy and for, for it not to be their fault that they're this way this is just the way that yeah. they are as human beings but like without the kind You're of Bogart. well without like a social yeah kind of it was, it was kind of crazy watching this after watching Treasure of the Sierra Madre but no, uh, they pair up know, nicely <laughs> they, the, well um, it's not an accent let's put it that way <laughs> but the, the, the amount of the amount of greed that each of them feels and like this you know the, this desire to just get as much gold as they can and every time you know every time anything goes wrong it's just cut and run right take the gold who cares about you know the general like this is not our story like our story right. is not saving a princess our story is not helping a princess uh get her clan trying to get get, get by get to the next day 
You know, yeah, and and that's and I often I don't know where I pick this up from, but I always use the, like the term running around. Oh, that's one where so and so is running around doing this and that, whatever. But in this case, these guys literally are running around like throughout yeah. all this stuff, and it's n- none more apt than like they have no plan. They're just like going from one place to another, like trying to like these like minor like low grade mediocre misery hustles that they're, that they're trying yeah. to do, and they almost die all the time. So who's going to have a plan if they could die that easily? Who would plan tomorrow? Yeah, like, I mean, it's, it's for, really for, hilarious, for, actually. Um, yeah, like like they're the, the the last moment, right, where they're willing to share the gold with each other, and like, oh, you take the one piece of yeah. gold, so you take the one piece of gold, yeah. like that back and forth, right? That is Kurosawa making, uh, you know, not not a statement from the movie itself necessarily, but like a statement that a statement with this kind of sure. with this with this socioeconomic, uh, you know, not having to worry about that part of it, not having to worry about feudal society and being a peasant and all this stuff, right? It allows you to have this degree of, um, you know, just nonchalance about like, oh, we kind of just completed this quest. You take the gold. No, you I, take the gold. As opposed to like, I'm gonna grab these three horses and that's my share. It's like, those yeah. are three horses, dude. That's not an equal share. <laughs> <laughs> like, what are you doing? <laughs> the soldiers run up to them and they're still trying to get the gold out of the fire. Like, but it works. So first of all, it's very funny, but like it works mm-hmm. because like, Again, and and I see where Lucas like took the, the point of like, oh, telling the story through that way gets it gets across the scope and scale of what's happening. That there are these like not even minor players, like insignificances to these larger events that they don't have any control over. Well, it's yeah. really hard to relate to a princess and a and a like war general. Yeah. So if you want to kind of put yourself in it, it does make your set make sense. I said when we had started that it's kind of Rosencrantz and Guildenstern-y. Totally. But imagine how much I mean Think about how much more that gives you access to that story. Right? It's such a great trope. Yeah, I'm not sure. I'm not sure I got that story until I actually read Rosencrantz Gilmore's Journal. Like, oh, this <laughs> makes sense. Thank you. Because I read it for. Or, I took what Lion King one and a half. I, I never, I never saw any Lion King. <laughs> no, but basically, uh, Lion King one and a half is literally just Rosencrantz uh, and Guildenstern, um, but set in. I've never seen the Lion King. I've never seen the remake. I've never seen any spinoff material. I've never seen any. I just, it it missed me. It's just Uh, stressful, you know, with the Lion King on and the dentist watching the Lion King drilling your child's mouth. Yeah, do not recommend. 10 of 10. Don't watch (laughs) the Lion King. I suggest watching the Lion King with children in a movie theater. Try that. (laughs) I did that. I did that. All right, all right. I, I don't uh, want to talk, no, like, talk uh, about the Lion King. Rosencrantz uh, and Guildenstern. I, I, no, I was going to say, I was going to get us back on track and say with Hamlet, I think it's true that, yeah. uh, you know, you, there's not very much to relate to with the character of Hamlet mm-hmm. and everything yes. around him and, and whether, you know, whether he becomes the king and, you know, he's just kind of wandering around it's and just like, like low affairs and stuff like it, it doesn't, the, the, the normal people in the audience, right? Like the peasants in the audience are not necessarily mm-hmm. going to relate to that and be like, oh, I hope Hamlet wins this one. Like, <laughs> right. Yeah. Exactly. Whereas <laughs> with Rosencrantz and Guildenstern, blood. Whereas, uh, <laughs> right, right, exactly. Yeah. Well, Rosencrantz and Guildenstern, uh, like it, it, you, it gets across the idea and it gets across these these minor players, right? And, mm-hmm. and that's uh, and that's so interesting because, I mean, Kurosawa was no stranger to uh, to Shakespeare. <laughs> like, it, I mean, Throne of Blood, as Andy mentioned, that's basically Macbeth. He did, uh, I actually haven't seen it. Was it? It's like uh, The Bad Sleep Well. It's like an early one. That he did. He did one that's, yeah. that is basically Hamlet. Um, I mean, I he's one of my favorite directors of all time. I still have not seen all his movies. I've seen a lot of them. Yeah. I mean, when I some are three them. and a half hours long, you can 
be like, I don't know, maybe not tonight. Your, th- your, your thighs are going to look like Tashirma Funis after that workout. <laughs> <laughs> but you know what? Like, So yes, I did elliptical through this entire movie, but it didn't feel long. It didn't feel long That's... at all. Not a single scene lagged, not a single moment. Okay. When I got to the last 20 minutes, I did feel like the guys, when they were the gold up the mountain, just, just like, I'll drop this here and maybe I'll die. But I pushed through. It was fine. It was amazing because I watched Princess Diaries, which is like 20 minutes shorter. Yeah. And I did have a couple of like, Ugh. and that's a much newer, more accepted uh, movie. Check, check, there, watch. There's something very uh, Sisyphean about this too, right? Like a lot of the, like, you know, the, the, the Greek myth about the guy that has to walk oh, yeah. the boulder up the mm-hmm. hill. And then every time he gets to the top of the hill, the boulder rolls back down. Like that's his fucking punishment again and again and again. Like mm-hmm. there is a lot of like there's there's a lot of the Sisyphus myth in in this entire movie with every time they get the gold something happens and they lose the gold like they yeah. get the gold they lose the gold and it yeah. just happens over and over it's again a constant like, ride yeah yeah <laughs> <laughs> yeah well and it's and again that's that's one of the reasons why the movie works I think and it's uh I think that there's yeah, it is Hamlet is indeed pretty hard to part it doesn't stop people from making movies about it there's a whole freaking <laughs> like cottage industry of it you know. It's- the Hamlet Industrial Complex. <laughs> <laughs> well, we never got the Schwarzenegger one. Yeah, well, that's right. As, except for as a, uh, it's it's in the what last action hero? Is that what it is? Yes, that's last the, action uh, hero. <laughs> to be or not to be. Not to I was be. Uh, I was I was reading I was reading something about um, Sylvester Stallone earlier, and he's uh, like, no one wants to see someone like me play Hamlet. And it's like I don't think it's about looking like you. I think nobody or nobody wants to hear somebody like me do like a Shakespearean play. It's like I don't think it's about looking like you. I think it's sounding like you. I mean, that's it. Yo, for ro- suit. <laughs> it's just it's just comedy. It's just comedy at that point. Right. I had an acting teacher who used to make me recite John Donne. So I fixed. I don't sound like I'm heavily from Queens, but I did when I started. And it was just to make people laugh. I'm like, you're not hearing the text anymore. You're just hearing my stupid ass. <laughs> right, yeah, and sometimes, sometimes I, I mean, and Kenneth Branagh is like, a, a, you know, good at it allegedly, but like, you'd have to pay me money to watch that. He's thing. a Brechtolian actor as well. He's yeah. explicitly saying he's not acting; he's just reading the lines. Right. I don't have time to pay somebody to do that. I could do that myself. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> or, you could, or you could pay somebody for like an audiobook to do that. You know? What I mean? Yeah. Like, right. You don't have to actually watch them. Like, <laughs> get that I, app that reads books to you. I, I find Kenneth Branagh very tiresome, frankly, but. Whatever. That's hot take. I agree. <laughs> I was gonna say which, peace and love to the Kenneth Branagh fans. Which is why uh, I think it's very funny that the first place I ever saw Kenneth Branagh was mm-hmm. when he was the Harry Potter character in the in the second one. Who his entire <laughs> thing was that he was just he was just bullshitting his way through uh, you know through everything. Like he was just yeah. lying about all, all the stuff in the books. Is like that seems like it's just you, dude. Like it seems like you're right, the guy right. who's just tired, like telling everyone like, oh, I did this, and then I did this, and then I did this. That's why I'm laughing so. Hard. Yeah, that's great. great. Perfect casting. Yeah, I love it. Uh, I would have asked, like, why do you want me to play this role? We thought only of you, Kenneth. (laughs) (laughs) I I did at one point. um, uh, I made a Macbeth's ranked list that I never finished, but. Did you guys see the Coen Brothers Macbeth? Because I really thought that that was the best one that I have ever seen. It was very. I, I like Throne of Blood better than it, but it's by a, by a small margin. And then Scotland, PA, mm. is actually an underrated version of Macbeth yes. as well. I think uh, I like the witches in the Coen Brothers. The witch in the Coen one, really too good. much. There's one Polanski did. There's one Orson Welles did. There's a bunch of versions. There's a bunch of versions. Of the Polanski oh. one didn't have a director. Oh. 
Well, yeah, exactly. If if it had been directed by anyone, of course. Yes. Much like the uh, much like the name Macbeth that you can't say on a uh, you know in, on the stage or whatever, or the fucking thing, everything will fall on you pretty much. Right, like, you right. can't say Polanski on a on a phone. Yeah, he's the Polish yeah. director, right? Polanski. <laughs> <laughs> yes, yes. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> uh, so I have more of these. I have more of these um, to get us back on track. More of these uh, clips. They they All broke right. it down scene by scene, but I don't have. I didn't. They didn't put the full one up there, so I found one that was like uh, I love it. Look at that face. face. That's a like a kabuki awesome. mask. I know it's so great. <laughs> and and like it's crazy that that's one of the right. first scenes you see, right? Because yeah. it's not mm -hmm. like that kind of character pops up again later in the movie or it's like anything. Three minutes in or something, right? It's yeah. really really on. <laughs> and and like when he when he dies, it is like this. Like, like I, I attribute it to my dog used to that when he would go to sleep, like his like, <laughs> legs would be in the air. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, how was that comfortable? What are you doing? First scene, suddenly, the driver of the motorcycle is called Kato-Takeshi. で、ま、何十件。あ、なんかね、前方にこう箱が置いてあるんですよ。それ向かって突進した箱をバーンとついてる練習をしてるんだ。な、何をしてんのかと思ったら、うん、あの、箱が折れですよ。お父さんですよ
それで「はい脱がして!」った時に「しまった!」と思ったの恥ずかしかったのはね俺高校野球の選手じゃないけどねお守りというお守りを巻いてたの<笑>これも痛いけな気持ちでしょ峠口美智三さんのお守りとかお守りというお守りを体に巻いてたら目の前で脱がされちゃえって言ってるマグなく脱がされたらお守りがパラパラパラっと。風に散ったわけだ。と思ったけども、恥ずかしかったけどもね。Yeah, I gotta agree. That guy rocks. <laughs> I, I wanna go to dinner with him and just have him tell me any story he wants. Yeah, like, tell, tell me the first thing that comes to your mind. I'm sure it's gonna be great. <laughs>、yeah. I, I, like, I like that he's just like some, he's probably like some you know, lesser known actor or whatever that gets his、yeah. big chance to work with Kurosawa. It's the film shoot from hell. Pretty much, it seems like he gets、yeah. clanged. Like, you can see him get clanged in the head in that fucking scene. Like, you see the horse hit that hit, hit his head, and he like the body jumps up like that when he does it. And it's like, ah, it's so fucking hard to watch. But then he's like, 50 years later, he's like, well, let me tell you, kids, let me tell you about the time I was hanging out on a Kurosawa set and I almost died, but it's cool. I lived because of the bronze plate in my head. They, they wouldn't let you live today. Today, today, kid,、yeah. it was different times, let me tell you. <laughs> Workplace safety standards. What's that? We don't know. No OSHA. OSHA. What? Think, think, think I don't speak people... Japanese, lady. <laughs> <laughs> think about how many different things went wrong in that, though. They're like, oh, all right, so we're going to hit you with spears. He gets hit、yeah. with the spears a bunch of times.、Like, ah, ah, ah. And then they're like, all right, the horses, there's no way they're going to trample on your head. Horse tramples right on his head. Really tramples on his head. <laughs> and then he's like, he's like left to fucking lie there or whatever. And they're like, all right, perfect. And he's like, all right, I get to go home. This is going to be great.、And、they're like, let's、yeah. do a close up. Get the spears <laughs> back out. <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely. Well, and it's, it's, it's notable too. I mean, like,、uh, I think. Were both those dudes also in Seven Samurai, Kiro and Rashomon, and High and Low? I,、uh, I know.、Um... I know、uh, Kamatari was, but I think I think so. I think they had, they had like, not、um, not necessarily huge roles, but they, they, were, they, were both, they were both in there. So it's like, it's interesting. <laughs> like, again, it seems like a wild workplace environment. Let's put it that way.、Uh, but I, obviously, like, they knew they were doing something cool. I mean, because I, 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 as much as I reference Akira on this, on this show, it's amazing we haven't covered it, but I mean, that's one of my, that might be my favorite Kurosawa movie. Uh, and the guy who plays uh,、um, uh, the uh, Watanabe character,、um, who's also he, he's like the older fella in、uh, Seven Samurai, the, the, the sort of、um, more、uh, leaderish figure, if you will. I forget、yeah. what we characterized him. I think we use an 18 characterization. Yeah, but,、uh, but, um, but Ashi Shimura. Yeah, that the, guy who's、yeah. amazing. And like, I felt bad for Bill Nighy, who, which I liked living, I thought it was good, but it was like, No, how are you gonna go up against like, like people are gonna compare you to like this? And this is like one of the best, like, not an old dude playing a much older dude roles of all time. 
And granted, Bill Nye is actually old when he's living here. <laughs> but it's like, also, don't make, don't remake Akira. It's fine. It's fine. But anyway, whatever. That's that's the well. Right there. I, I mean, so, if you want to say something God, different about it, though, like like, like make it well, the they American- did. They, they make it in, they made it English, right? And that and yeah. that was like, you know, it was good. Like it was, but it was like, if I had never seen Akira, I'd be like, wow, that movie was great. But I've seen Akira, and it was like, that is a English version of Akira that isn't as good. <laughs> Yeah, well, <laughs> with a great performance, has, it's up against one of the, the one of the best performances of the 1950s, if you ask me. I mean, these he movies has, are still um, so watchable. Why remake them? That's what I'm saying. Other than the fact that people don't like to read subtitles, apparently. Yeah, I, I mean, the only other thing, like I said, if, if you're going to say something different about the the situation, like you know, talk about the healthcare system, because that's one <laughs> of the the points in the sure. uh, yeah, and Akira, which which is fascinating, was was the uh, the you know the Japanese healthcare system at the time. You know, like yeah. that that should be the focus of the uh the film then and and because you already got the emotional hits from from the uh Japanese version. Yeah. No, but it's just wild that like like Kurosawa kind of had a crew, right? <laughs> like he yeah. had like a bunch of people that we called on that would play wildly different roles, and why shouldn't they? Well, I was but, I was just watching uh Rashomon last night. Which is great. Um, I fucking I like that yeah. one a lot. Yeah. But um, I, so I was watching Rashomon and Takashi super short. Sure. It's like a short film for Kurosawa. <laughs> Hour and a half. Like uh, <laughs> the older guy in this, and he's the guy, you know, like the guy that we were just talking about in Seven Samurai. He's in, yeah. So that guy, and then um, Minori uh, Chikai, who's yeah. who's in this, the other peasant, right? Like those he's, are, he's the other, yeah, the other peasant, yeah, yeah. Main characters in that, and then they're both in this in different roles. He gave Takashi Shimura kind of a break, I feel like, in this one though, because. He's only in that one scene in the Hidden Fortress itself, and he he has one of the best lines though. I like when he's like, um, "Well, even like even a rock can give you like I, I can't remember how exactly he phrases it, but he's like he's like, well, the peasants gave me the thing, and he's like, well, even a rock can give you good moss or something." And he says, that "Yeah, yeah." To, like, explain the, <laughs> the well, it's it's he, it's funny that dude's yeah. funny because like in Seven Samurai, like he's the first one to go, but like in real life, he was like <laughs> he like lived to be the oldest out of all of them by like a pretty large margin. Except the one horse, like one guy that got trampled on his head by a horse. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, except for that guy, of course. Yeah, for sure. Uh, I, I mean, I, I just think that it's because think about how different Hidden Fortress is. Even though it's like, yeah, ultimately, samurais and swords and whatever. Like, how different is Hidden Fortress from Seven Samurai? A lot. You know, they they couldn't they couldn't like be more different. Couldn't be more different. Yeah. yeah. I mean, you know, Seven Samurai is kind of kind of feels like um, uh, somebody's like masterwork right like they're they're like this is my this is my (laughs) greatest and it is but i'm saying like it feels like yeah some guy called akira kurosawa up here yeah no (laughs) but but this movie feels feels more like fun and light and like it's not doing the same even though it makes kind of the same point which i found fascinating with the peasants and the farmers right like it it doesn't it doesn't it's not giving you that same um it's not like it's not like you watch this you're like this is the the uh quintessential samurai movie so that kind of brings up the question like do you need a fundamental lack of intentional profundity and lightness to be like a really good adventure movie. Hmm. Uh, I don't, I don't necessarily think so, but I think this works for that reason. This one definitely does. And I think a lot of the ones we think of as the best ones, like kind of have that. Uh, But then it's all about what you remember too. Right. I mean, like Mm -hmm. Raiders of the Lost Ark is a pretty light movie until you're like, Oh wait, some of this is pretty, (laughs) 
messed I'm up. Biblical, you know, light, God, all that kind of shit. Yeah. Well, I mean, uh, or, or you look at something like uh, Wizard of Oz, which I, I'm glad that we covered as like the first movie in this session of them, right? Like yeah. that movie, like the, the, the book too, like they're, they're pretty profound points they're making about how right. all these things are inside of you all along. And like, you know, Valor's been parodied to death. It's like, you mean all oh, this is inside of me all along? Like, uh, yeah. You know, but but like that that feeling that like you know that confidence is really all you need. Like that is a kind of profound point to make in what's mm. ostensibly like a children's story movie. Right. You know in in mean? the like, late 1800s when you wrote it, <laughs> and yeah, <laughs> right though when you say that something is an adventure story, people kind of think like, oh, it's going to be lighthearted. But like no. Lord of the Rings is an adventure story. <laughs> Not at I think all. Adventure story means our character goes out on some sort of journey where it leaves its its center of comfort, its right, town, its right. home, where it knows, and becomes better for it and then comes back. Absolutely. And and it's it's interesting how that how differently that can manifest as an experience. Well and and I think that you could look at something like Joseph Campbell. Uh, he wouldn't you know he wouldn't believe Who? That. Kidding. Yeah. no but like he wouldn't believe that like the Perfect. hero's journey which like really is mm -hmm. what we're talking about here with adventures right like mm -hmm. all of them are some form of hero's journey uh mythology and like he, he would he would consider the adventure story like one of the fundamental you know like mythological archetypes of uh, of all oh. time the actual descriptor for this month of films is a collection of films featuring characters leaving their home or place of comfort and going to fill a goal, embarking on travels, quests, treasure hunts, heroic journeys, and explorations or searches for the unknown. So do I owe you money or do you owe me money? That was me going to the grocery store and driving in a car in the snow for the first time. Yeah. <laughs> going to the grocery store right now is a straight up adventure and not a fun one. <laughs> Doing donuts in a parking lot with just enough snow, that's how you learn. That's what you yes. should do. That's right. Learn before yes. it's important to do get it, it right. Do it in a controlled environment for exactly. sure. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, back behind Kmart where nobody pays attention. Mm -hmm. <laughs> right, exactly. Spit as many donuts as you want. Uh, wild to me that uh, Misa Uhara, aka Princess Yuki, she, like she was only in like a few other movies after this. Like she that didn't really have a career. That wow. to me really speaks to his direction. I really feel like she may have had it in it, but without any training and without his continued direction, it, yeah. it wasn't. The or same. eyebrows. I mean, like, like she couldn't get an eye <laughs> without the. Dude, let me eyebrows. tell you, like, there, you know, talk to Eugene Levy about how good an eyebrow game can make a whole career. No, it's, that is like that's a, that is kind of that dude's whole thing, right? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> oh, though also, if you, my parents can never remember Benicio del Toro's name, so they just refer to him as. They call him the guy with the eyebrows. The guy with the eyebrows. That's kind of Colin yeah. Farrell too, if you step in. All there. humans yes. have eyebrows. Eyebrow Graham Strong, agreed. No, like great eyebrows. This this mm. is a on fleek, as they say. Good thigh representation, great eyebrows. <laughs> there's, a lot, there's a lot going on. How have we not? All right, so we we've talked almost an hour, and we've barely touched on Tashira Mafuni's character, right? Like who's just needlessly masculine all the time. Like and to 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 like a point that I actually found it funny, both original and and rewatch. I'm like, it is hilarious how like needlessly like, uh, you know, being the doodliest dude that ever dooded he is. But he, but he's so charismatic, you believe it, and you and, and you're like, all right, yeah, it's just that's how that guy is. I guess there's something about that, like the scene where he's sitting there and she's yelling at him about his sister dying and he's yeah. not he's because he, a man is composed in his honor for his job yeah and you're like what but also i love this guy tashira mafuni would make yeah. a great klingon 
Oh my god. Yeah. He, right? he almost uh, he was offered the role of Obi-Wan Kenobi and turned it down. And uh then George Lucas is like, okay, okay. Um Darth Vader. And, and he also turned that down, uh, which would have made a very different Star Wars movie. Wow. Um, <laughs> okay, I think my brain just broke. <laughs> Man, my, my, to have a single Asian person in that entire cast, first of all. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> But man. <laughs> that wasn't like a horribly racist stereotype. <laughs> Thank you, George Lucas, coming out next week. <laughs> hey, I'm his biggest fan. What? No, like that's that, but like I that wouldn't great, but it's a different kind of. Uh, that's a different kind of presence mm -hmm. to a certain degree. I mean, I guess to a certain degree, it's is is the same because think because think about when we think of Darth Vader, we think of the voice, right? Yes. And like that is one of the great voice performances, mm -hmm. but like, it, would, would it be like what, what would it, what would that be like? Like, what would I don't yeah. I don't Cause, know? Because you wouldn't have David Prowse then. Like, like um, I was commenting to my wife because I'm watching all the old Doctor Who episodes, and I saw yeah. the episode with the uh, where David Prowse played the Minotaur, and the guy who's oh, right. uh, playing Darth Horns Vader now, right? Horns and Imon, is that right? Uh, I think so. That sounds yeah. right. Um, Doesn't and and <laughs> the the guy who's playing the the uh, Darth Vader now in the movies. Also yeah. played a Minotaur on a Matt Smith era episode. Oh, Talk about um, being typecast. <laughs> so, 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 you know, th there you go. But, uh, uh, you know. <laughs> um, yeah. Give me, give but, me but, the Minotaur guy. Dude, got you a Minotaur can, for this picture. You want a typecast your kid as a Minotaur? I'm available. Hey, all I'm saying is we need the Minotaur guy. The we Minotaur got amazing everything. Pipeline. <laughs> Get me to the middle of your labyrinth. I'm ready to go. But but I mean, there's something about his physical performance, though, is, is, is yeah, why I'm kind of yeah. bringing it up. It, it, you know, okay. that, that well, the Sherman is every physical performance. Yeah, sure, also would be very physical. It'd be a very different physical performance. And like I in Seven Samurai, he's like the loon, right? But still a yeah. very physical performance. Like he's the one that's kind of like you know, for, not that it's a comedic movie, but no. more or less the comedic but he's going release type too. Right. Like, like so because this is more like what people like like he has like again uh so kt you brought it earlier up like the when they're going through the tunnel and he just like looks back and just kind of laughs at them and stuff like that's the only scene you really see him like smiling or laughing mm -hmm. such a staunch presence like the rest of the time having any emotion yeah exactly and of any kind other than just being like oh he's a you know a fierce nemesis like again which is why he would be fantastic yeah. Klingon. Or, or Vulcan, actually <laughs> yeah so oh, yeah sure sure so i'm just curious before we leave that fact was he offered the role as just the body or the body and the voice i that i'm not sure about I, i've never heard anything okay. more about that I, I just know that he was offered the role um and, and i mean like i don't think james Earl jones was uh involved with it yeah. when they were filming because uh uh, James Earl Jones wasn't like a huge. He was like respected, but he wasn't like yeah. the biggest dude in the. I mean, Alec Guinness was like honestly the biggest star in that in that film. In that, in that I, I mean, like like Darth Vader blew up James Earl Jones. I mean, let's, let's... yes, I remember. But like, I'm just saying that like at the time before that, like it was sort of like, oh yeah, that's I do the deep voice. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> you know, like, and, and nobody ever remembers David Prowse. Like, uh, I kind of if you if you read his story, it's kind of sad because he he really thought that this was going to be his big role uh, to break out break him out. Um, yeah. He he because uh, he was in a Clockwork Orange. Um, he mm -hmm. he was the, the uh, was bodybuilder uh, uh, guy carrying around the uh, the guy that got crippled by uh, Alex. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, yeah. And he he uh, he actually was like a TV superhero in the seventies. Um, oh, as really? Well. Hmm. Yeah, mm -hmm. but like he just never he never found that that thing. Uh, fortunately, like conventions kind of like uh, you know um, kind of saved him a bit. But but like 
he he was bitter for many years because uh, he he never you know he he didn't feel like he was respected uh, by, mean, by Lucas mm -hmm. and everybody, and uh, also his career just never went anywhere after that. It's like Doug Jones, though. Like you really got to hustle to be known as anybody when we don't see your face and we don't hear you talk. Yeah, that's true. I mean, it's definitely a lot of work that you're doing and you're putting so much of the character on, but people just don't want to give credit to that. They just don't see it. Yeah, look at uh, what V for Vendetta, right? Mm -hmm. I mean, that's that's it's like he's got a mask on the entire yeah. time, and that's one of the things that I find Loki annoying in most superhero movies. That, like first opportunity, they're always taking their mask off. Of yeah, course they are, Shred. because because that's how they're because that's your acting, and you want people to see your face so you can do your acting with your face. Yet, why are you t constantly taking your fucking mask off? <laughs> like you shouldn't mm -hmm. be doing that. Yeah, well, whereas Dread did not take the mask off, and it's a much better movie. Yeah. <laughs> it's not even close to dreadful. Um, but to go back to that scene that we were talking about in the tunnel, what I thought was so interesting about that, that actor's performance is that, and I'm obsessed with looking at mouths when people are acting, we mm. see so much of his upper teeth, where with the rest of the actors, we see so much of their lower teeth. There's a lot of like yeah. going like this and talking, and he's a lot like, ha ha ha. It was yeah. so, what a weird decision. Yeah, no, I didn't even think about that, but you're right. It could be a way to kind of show class, because because there is a bit of class. Um, because yeah. like he's dressed like a peasant through most of the mm -hmm. film. Yeah, I mean, um, to have teeth that's that well. You know, yeah, and uh, but he doesn't carry himself like a peasant because, like, I mean, curious all peasants mm -hmm. are all like hunched over and stuff. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, they have they have a like that gate that peasant's yeah. gate and he's like walking. as opposed to heaven's gate which is wildly different <laughs> <laughs> but i would pay to hear that song peasant's gate <laughs> at the next but, ren fair sorry there you go. There you go. um but yeah so 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 there's a a really interesting way that that like and that's also like like the princess had to you know not speak because she couldn't be passed off as a peasant um well, I love that. That that's a great conversation. So that's a conversation in, with the elder, who again is um, the guy who does the career making turn um, in a hero. Uh, that, that was a very much a Kurosawa that guy, but like it's a much more low key like supporting role here. But like basically, they're like, yeah, this isn't gonna fly. Like she like carries herself like, <laughs> you know, this this incredibly imposing presence, and she like commands like respect. Like she's like, what can we do? Like, well, let's just have her be mute. <laughs> Yeah, because I mean, she walked into the room and everybody wanted to buy her to have sex with her. Right, exactly. Yeah, that's true. And, and, but then the guy's like, oh, she's mute. Forget about it. <laughs> I'm related to that so fucking much, though. Because, like, if you get me angry enough, I sound like I'm from Queens. And the only the only way to avoid that is to just be fucking mute. And I'm like, yeah. no, but yeah. Mm. Yeah, yeah. No, and it, 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 well, it's, it's, it's notable for a number of reasons. But again, we already mentioned the, I'm going to use reverse psychology. Oh, I see that you're using reverse psychology, but I'm going to do it anyway, which is just a hilarious, again, that's a very absurdist, funny exchange. It's not funny like how the peasants are running around and bumbling and like knocking yeah. into each other and, and whatnot. Mm -hmm. But like, it, it's like, no, that's funny. And in, in like, situationally, like the, the, these are not funny characters. They're not attempting to be humorous at all, yet the situation itself is humorous. And, and that's very entertaining. Because again, it's a, it's a, you get to see these like strange little moments of humanity with these like larger than life figures, and and it turns out that is the best move. <laughs> Did they ever say who the old woman was? Because I kind of missed uh, that in, in this uh, last viewing, and uh, uh, I thought she was she was great because she just kind of like sits there and like dresses down the princess. Um, I thought she was like oh. her hand, like handmaid or yeah, like her nurse. Her. Yeah, they, they never really said though, so I just. Um, mm -hmm. Uh, I wanted to shout her out, but I didn't quite know what to call her character. Yeah, mm. she's just 
She's just around. Yeah. Attendant. <laughs> you call her ma'am is what you call her. <laughs> I, I will call her ma'am. Miss Jackson, yeah, like, if you're nasty. <laughs> right. <exactly. laughs> but no, no, it was like great because like, you know, here's this, you know, princess. All right. So she's, she's just, just, she's just her lady in waiting. Okay. That's what she's, she's been waiting for a while. Mm. <laughs> oh, lady in waiting. How long you gotta wait for? <laughs> oh. By the way, uh, since you guys were just talking about the the scene where um everybody immediately wants to buy her, I I love I love when they just buy a prostitute back from that guy, and then but they don't think like oh maybe she she'll want to come with us on the journey, and yeah. so she starts following their cart, and they're just like go home, go home, and just like. Yeah, where you, like whoa! Where do you, like, where do you expect that? Because she's she's the the lady from their from their clan, and they buy yeah. her because the princess is like, I can't leave my um, you know, I can't leave my you know her, a, a clan a, cl a clan. Member. I know you're trying to avoid saying clansman, and I appreciate that, <laughs> <laughs> but I can't leave I can't. the person from my clan. You walked yeah, yourself like, right into that corner. Sorry, I, I I can't I can't you know like leave with with this with this clan member, <laughs> the Steve clan um, member. But she's like, she's like, so I'm gonna buy her back. But then they don't really think about the fact that like they're just like, oh, she'll just she'll just go home. Like I guess, like, yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, that's that's like a minor like tidbit, right? But it also just shows how like the elite sort of like treat the non-elites to a certain degree as well. And that's oh yeah, they bought her freedom. They don't have to think about her anymore. Yeah, it doesn't make them bad people. It's just it's just they got well, a lot in their I minds. Mean, technically, they're good people. They did buy her freedom, but <laughs> yeah. oh. I, I think that it's cool though because she ends up kind of ultimately being the cipher um that you know that gets the princess thinking about meeting with the common people which yeah. you know inevitably when the story is over you have to imagine if, if she does you know have a bunch of kids that gets their clan back up and running or whatever like she's going to be way way stronger and a better leader because she's now uh she hasn't just been cloistered away in this hidden fortress she's actually you know met the people and learned their fire song and uh, you know, and and join them, and now she understands that, and she's a, a more you know uh, socioeconomically flexible kind of leader, rather than these kind of cloistered away um, elites, I guess, in, in in these hidden fortresses that are just kind of commanding people to do what they want and then disappearing, right? Like right. she's more personable, and that's kind of the point that I think Kurosawa makes with a lot of his work that uh, this this very sectored off society, this feudal order, um, do doesn't make for a, a more homogenous society the way that you know. People have said over centuries that that it does. Like society has to evolve for it to be stronger. And that fire scene is is incredible too. Just because, uh, like, like you can also see who each of the characters are just in that one scene. Uh, like, yeah. like I, I was, uh, I thought she was a ballerina, like watching her moves because she, she just there's this control of her body the way the way she's you know moving her her uh, body in the dance. Uh, versus like the the two peasants who just like are like oh, I don't know they just kind of shambles around. Until someone tries to take the gold, and then they're like, "Hey man, that's my gold!" And they're like, "Hey, this is our wood. Throw it to the fire." <laughs> you can't just come to the fire festival, the the, the first successful yeah. fire festival, by the way. Yeah, <laughs> yeah exactly. as opposed to the later one. No <laughs> horrible yeah, ham and cheese sandwiches our, here. Uh, you can't just come to the non jaw rule fire festival and expect that. You can you could just you know bring a bunch of wood for you, for yourself. We're yeah. we're burning this huge you fire. Here? You're gonna keep this wood for yourself. No, yeah. join in the dance and give us your fucking wood. <laughs> yeah, I, I, yeah. They could have easily gotten out of it saying, "Oh no, no, we're worried about the cart." You know, that's our cart. Yeah, you know, but the, no, the whole cart goes in. Well, and there's, there's another scene that I wanted to bring up 
you know, that I was thinking about when I was overhearing you guys talking, um, and I was offline for a second. Uh, the, there's a scene where they're in the they're in the village right after they buy back um, the one girl, and then the guy runs in and goes, "I love that horse. Let me buy your horse." And nobody nobody reacts in the way that you know they're like, "Hey, you can't buy my horse." They just the guy just kind of stands there mutely while I hand him the money and lets him well, take the because horse. he because he, he can't peasants. yeah because he because he's because he's he's cosplaying as a peasant so like he has to just shut up and just let it happen which yeah <laughs> which is crazy because like yeah because because at first when I, first time I saw it I was like kick his ass what's your problem no say no and then you're like oh no he can't he's undercover mm-hmm. you know like yeah, yeah. He'll be, he'll be i exposed. mean how many horses had he bought uh from, from some of the peasants and <laughs> right um, exactly i guarantee like like that's why he knew how to you know be quiet and you could just see like there's so much going on underneath too which which is great about mm-hmm. that that's idea. that class consciousness that, that, that comes in mm-hmm. too yeah. and, and 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 again it doesn't make a big like like here, I'm gonna make a profound statement now. You know, it's not like that. No. It's just, it just happens naturally and extemporaneously, and and I think. But, it works. but also, Bafume's performance is just nuanced. Oh yeah, he's just just amazing. I mean, he's he's like he's so stunningly new, like nuanced as a, as an actor. Uh, and again, because of Kurosawa's direction, uh, often you know, it's like not to say that it was like a one way street or anything, but like. I, you know he's been in other stuff but like there's a reason why those two are inexorably linked you know yeah. It's, yeah. it's like De Niro mm-hmm. and Scorsese mm-hmm. when you find someone where there's a shorthand why not keep going back to that it. exact medium why not keep working in that Absolutely. I was uh I, I was actually I was watching a documentary that somebody made um in 2015 or 2016 about Shira Mifune um, oh really? And, nice. Yeah, and one and one of the things is he he kind of had a problem with alcoholism, and he mm-hmm. had like a he like secretly kind of hated Kurosawa and the position that he put him in, being like this you know this artistic muse. So he would mm-hmm. get drunk and he would drive his car past Kurosawa's house and be like, "Fuck you!" and like throw <laughs> shit on his lawn. <laughs> okay, I've never wanted a biopic of either of those gentlemen, but now I do just so I can see that scene. Because so, that sounds so like, like an awesome this girl. This girl that co-starred a bunch of things with him that was like, you know, that was hanging out with him all the time was like, yeah. yeah, he'd sometimes just be drunk and be like, get in the car, get in the car. And like a bunch of the actors or whatever would get in the car and he would go like drive his fucking Corvette because he had like, you know, like a very like a, a fancy car and everything. He'd drive yeah. his fucking sports car past uh, Kurosawa's house. And she's like, and I'd say, please, please don't do it again this time. And he'd be like, fuck you. And like, throw shit out of the car. <laughs> 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 I, I think it's because I think it's because of the artistic process, right? Like Kurosawa put him through so much to play these roles, and he mm-hmm. kind of it was like almost like a father son or like a, a you know somebody rebelling against the discipline that somebody had for them. He was in you know dozens of these Kurosawa movies, and having to like live under this you know uh, dictatorial regime of artistic discipline, kind of I think started to get to him after a while well but but by the same token he also also gave him credit i mean there's a famous quote he said i'm proud of nothing i have done other than with him yeah. and, which, which, which is kind of stunning when you think about it. <laughs> throwing stuff at his house and yelling. i mean i would love to see, like, relationship. And, and i wish like more actors would do that like shelly duvall doing that to uh kubrick uh, yeah yeah <laughs> she gets on the plane she goes all the way to england <laughs> there's one thing i need to do <laughs> this is actually this this is this is even a better quote he taught me practically everything I know, and it was he who first introduced me to myself as an actor. Kurosawa mm-hmm. has this quality, this ability to bring things out of you that you never knew were there. It is enormously difficult work, but each picture with him is a revelation. When you see his films, you find them. 
that's the sober to share him before. He was definitely not drinking at this point. When you see his films, you find them uh, full of realizations of ideas and emotions, of a philosophy which surprises with its strength, even shocks with its power. You would not expect it to be so moved, and you find within your own self this depth of understanding. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's a quote from wow. the man himself. Again, not he wasted. Been a writer. Second. Yeah, it's a great. <laughs> it's very hard. Yeah. But it is it is crazy because it's like it, it's almost like a game. Like pick the best Tashiro Mifune movie that's not a Kurosawa film, right? Yeah. Well, he's in, he's in Godzilla. That's not that doesn't have Godzilla in it. Godzilla. <laughs> <laughs> well, during during this time period, right between Kurosawa's movies and Godzilla. Yeah. Uh, it kind of turned him into like the biggest Japanese star of, of the oh, sure. time period, which it makes it more like uh, interesting that he has like this kind of um, complicated, uh, you know, uh, problems with sobriety. Like um, he's drinking a lot. He's going yeah. to all these like luncheons with people. The the entire thing about Studio Toho though is it's incredibly regimented, like the yeah. film schedule, and they're and they're putting these films together in months. And like Kurosawa ended up having to break with uh, Studio Toho because his film shoots went on for too long. Like they're they're not expecting these film shoots to go on for so long. They're expecting like actors just to be where they're going to be, be where they're right. supposed to be, and just do multiple of these film shoots at the same time. Well, so but yeah, think about but think about like what was happening like at the, at that time, right? Like think about what was happening uh, with Kurosawa too, like like and the fact that Seven Samurai was was like it it did well, right? But it wasn't considered like oh maybe the best movie of all time like it is now. You know, this is the same guy that like. Uh, you know, he did, um, and Throne of Blood was like grim, but like, you know, ultimately kind of successful for sure. But like, he had kind of a run of stuff that was like, yeah, pretty good. It was, it was pretty good. And they're Kurosawa films, so of course they're interesting. Uh, but like, it was something where if, if you have someone that, again, we wouldn't think of it as opulent now because it's successful. But he's trying all these new technologies and he's trying these things. I was like, I, this is my vision. I want to make, you know, I want to make it like this. I, I want to, I want to use these anamorphic lenses to shoot in, in widescreen. I want to like, you know, do this, that, and the other's like, oh my God, this guy's a big pain in the ass. <laughs> <laughs> like we well, have like five well, other people on, on here that can make films, you know? <laughs> this, is, this is, this kind of uh, lines up exactly with what you're saying. This is, I'm talking about the break between him and. Oh, nice. Cause this, cause this is wild. This is this is wild. Like this was like his like popcorn film. Yeah. <laughs> to pay well, to, to make a little the, money. The other you know? thing about this being a popcorn film, right? Like the, the reason that this went over budget and over the the shoot went over long, which is not something that you were allowed to do if you weren't like Kurosawa. Like yeah, yeah. It, like your your career would be over if you're like, hey, my right. you know my film shoot's gone way over. Like they let them get away with that in Hollywood way more than they did in you know in Tokyo or whatever. And they were shooting on Mount Fuji. Like there are scenes in this movie that are on Mount Fuji. Actual and, Mount Fuji, yes. Yeah. And a fucking uh, a typhoon hit in the middle of their shoot and got them stuck on Mount Fuji. え、
、やはりご,ご苦労があった時期もずいぶんあったと思うんですけど、そういうことそうですね、そのやっぱり、プロダクション作ったのもね、はい、その隠し取りででね、うん、もう意外と時間かかっちゃったんですよ。うん、それはもう全あとごくわずかを残してねもう会長に進んだわけ、うん、で最後の富士山のロケーションなんですよねだからこれは 1, 1週間か10日の予定で行ったら100日かかっちゃった、うん、台風が3回来てね、うん、もう御殿場の街は晴れててもロケ地はもういつも雨なんですよ、うん、もう困ったねこれは。うんで、会社は怒るしね。で、来ると、東京は晴れてるし、御殿場へ来ても晴れてるんだよね。藤本まで来て。何し、何してじゃあ、車に乗って行って、現場へ行ったもう、すごいんですよ。でもね、もうも納得しないんですよね。わがまま言ってね。僕が勝手なことしてるみたいにして。それはね、ナルスさんがよく言ってたよ。よく会社はそういうこと言うけどさ。一番早く撮りたいのは監督だよねって夏さんよくそうなんですよ<笑>早く撮りたいのは監督なんですよなんかどうしても撮れないから撮らないわけでねそれには理由があるんだけどその理由がどうも会社には分かんないんですよね、うん、でその後でそのプロダクション作れと、うん、でそしたらプロダクションでねその自分がその金をあれしなきゃならんってことになったらね、うん頑張らないし、適当なところで妥協するだろうと会社は思ったんじゃないかな。<笑>で、その時に作ったのは悪いやつほどよくでもるんですよ、うんうん。これもお金がかかりました。かかったんですよ、うん、それは。Wait, the other other Shakespeare, Chris. Yeah, well. Not ran. No, no, no. Not throne of blood. No, 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 no. no. The, 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 this, one, this one. This one's Hamlet, kid. <laughs> this one's Hamlet. That's why it's different. <laughs> I, I'd like.、Uh, Yum, delicious ham. I like the idea of like studio executives, though, being so kind of stupid that like they don't understand that like weather could be different in two different places. They're like, it's sunny here. <laughs> You're just making this up. You, <laughs> yeah, yeah, rain? Yeah. You're clearly BSing us. Yeah. <laughs> it, is, it is also astounding that they called it Toescope, but it's like, yeah, the only reason anyone cares about <laughs> your, 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 your technology is what's on it. Like, this yeah, dude, like,、yeah. and then and there's like, no, no, it's Toescope. I'm like, cool, but like, he's like one foot out the door. So that's kind of sad. They still did distribution. He, they、yeah. still did distribution、sure、they did. <laughs> so he still needed them for that. So he kept calling it toes. But I love that explanation of like, well, and they thought that like it was under my own, you know, basically under my own bank account that, that you know, it'd be easier to rein in. Nope. <laughs> not at all. Not even a little bit. Why, think that why would you think that? How do you not know who this guy is?、Yeah. Well, it's kind of everybody, I feel like in, in like the Japanese studio system, kind of is treating everybody else like a child. It's like,、uh, oh, Kurosawa's、yeah. like a bad child. We must punish him and make、right. him pay for his own movie. And then he'll come crawling back Th- to us. That's what happened to Suzuki. Because、um, uh, Seijin Suzuki did、uh, Branded to Kill, and it was a complete flop. And、uh, they, he did not get hired as a director for、uh, 10 years.、Um, and of course, he comes back with a movie that is just as batshit and、uh, on brand、uh, as his other stuff. And I love every minute of it.、Um, and when you describe it, it doesn't sound insane at all because it's just about a golfer. Who's being hired as a model? <laughs> <And> <laughs> it's well, his hands, kid. 
<laughs> Listen, he's a model, but also he golfs. <laughs> it's gonna be a, it's gonna be a, a picture you won't yeah, it, believe, kid. It, it becomes like Bo is afraid, but <laughs> we got this guy Suzuki. He likes colors. It's gonna be aces. He likes when his main character sings a song, a theme song. Look, you ever seen a protagonist that sings his own theme song? Well, now you will, kid. <laughs> All right, so I have one more. I have one more. Uh, what does he do after this? Yojimbo, right? Is that is that the one that's like right yeah, after I think this? so. Well, no, yeah. so he does the one you were talking about, the Hamlet one. Oh, no, no I just told you. I, I, yeah, yeah. The Hamlet yeah. One, right. within, within I haven't years, seen that one, but. Within three years, he does Yojimbo, which is like the most, you know, the, the highest grossing fucking movie that they've had like in that process. It's kind of interesting. I think that Kurosawa, a lot of um, a lot of the people most inspired by him uh, are, are like international, right? Like people in yeah. like New Hollywood. I mean, like George Lucas or like uh, Sergio Leone, you know, doing stuff like spaghetti westerns. Like a lot of the, the reason that he's um, put on this giant pedestal, I think, is his international like global appeal. Well, and he kind of leaned into that because we did we did his high and low in '63. I mean, that's that's more or less like um, like one of the best crime procedurals you'll ever see, because he was just like, oh, I don't just do like you know swords and samurais. Like I do other stuff too. I mean, I, I, and like very well crafted. Uh, you know, like like all Kurosawa movies, but like Soderbergh tried to remake it last year, and as a miniseries, and it was. <laughs> it started off good enough, but but I'm like, why would you remake High and Low? It's fine. Like, don't, yeah. don't you don't need to remake that. I mean, there's a remake of Hidden Fortress. Of course, there's. everybody's gonna remake everything. It's in everything. space. <laughs> no, no, but like, you have it's called War Stars. Um, the is there an, um, uh, yeah, I oh, is there? Okay. I kind of want to because I'm like curious uh, how they screwed it up. <laughs> I'm, I'm not. I, but, I've but, seen I've seen scenes from from this. I haven't seen the entire movie. I'm sure Andy has. But uh, Kurosawa's first movie with uh, with Toshiro Mifune and with and with Takashi Shimura, like uh, starring together, is Drunken mm -hmm. Angel. And you know he so he's uh, it's like the Yakuza movie where uh, oh yeah. Shiro, yeah yeah Takashi Shimura yeah, is like it's a, been a while doctor that's been hired to take care of like a Yakuza gangster, and that's like his first. I, I feel like he had it's like a noir. Yeah, yeah, right? yeah. Yeah, yeah. I don't think Bufuni, I've seen that one. Um, play like a lot of like, and then in Rashomon, he has him play like a bandit. Like I feel like he had him play a lot of villainous characters before it was established that he was somebody who could play like these heroic. Uh, yeah, snap! Heroes. That's like 1948 that that movie yeah. came out. Jesus Christ. Mm -hmm. Um, but I have one more. I have one more clip of the uh, of the making of thing that I thought was cool. Yeah, lay it on us.隠し取りでの山岳人の名場面三船敏郎を演じる真壁六郎太が騎馬武者めがけて切りつける上馬シーン三船は両手を離して刀を振り上げ全力疾走します
三船敏郎のスタンドインで終わった遠藤茂にスタンバイしてもらいますが三船さんは自分一人で馬の蔵を締め直しますだけど三船ちゃんがもういいもうやっちゃうなんて言ってじゃあもうこれですからね三船ちゃんいつの間に覚えたのか知らないけれどあれはねなんかやっぱりなんか乗り方があるんですよそれあるんでしょうけどね<笑>ティーティーなんかちょっとお目のしようと思うとかバーッてそれでもってもう全速力でなんか走ったりね Yeah, it's a good song. I'm going to go to the house. 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 カメラは3台から4台の時もあり撮影するカメラマンにも苦労が絶えませんでした望遠のパンであのスピード感を出したっていうのはそれはやっぱり世界で初めてだよね、ええ、あだからそれはもう黒沢さんの場合にはもうね世界では初めてっていうか世界で初め,初めての発想っていっぱいあるよねで僕はそれはもうずっといろんなことで自分も経験してるから覚えてるけどあのパンねあのツーキャメラで。2カメラで,で望遠のパンだから普通だったら地面にこう置いてパンでしょパンって言い方おかしいかなでもそれだと一番近いとこがこのなっちゃうわけですよだから移動車引くんですよああパンでもでここ来たら移動車引くわけですよこうそれであるこの大きさにするわけああで,、ね、であの黒沢さんってずいぶん大っ嫌いだから全部マッサレンズでやるからね望遠は望遠なんですよでズームだとこうやりゃいいんだけどさだから移動車なんですよだから移動車をこう敷いてこう手,手前来たくってそれでまた奥行ったらこう、ま、出るわけですよで難しいわけそれであれですよスポーツ範囲なんでしょ要するに今は一眼でああ、まあ、その通り映るんだけどあの当時はあのフィルムにはそう映らないわけだからターンしてそれでスポーツ範囲だと脇のでパララックスってさあの遠くと近くがさこう違うわけですよそれ勘でやるわけですよカメラマンみんな。でその時に一、えー、台は佐伯さんだけど一台はメインのキャメラがさ山崎さんって人だったんですよ。ねそれ,それ撮ったわけですよ一日こうやってパンしてねうわーわーわーってミュージさんもうわーってやってね撮ったわけそれ,それさ全然さなんかどういうことになったんでしょう10日ぐらい経ったらねまた同じことやってるんですよで僕ら知らないよ。でどうしたんですかって言ったらね尻尾しか入ってない。<笑>山崎さんのカメラがね尻尾しか入ってなかったとかね。The other dude that seems like it'd be a really great hang, <laughs> but for a very different reason. <laughs> I really I think that that clip speaks to exactly what you're trying to say, Conan, about why when these films get remade, they don't work. Is there such an incredible thoughtfulness in Kurosawa?、Yeah. in Putting this, like, there's that turn of phrase, every frame a painting, but I really feel like that is the truest in his films where you're watching these and you're compelled because it's set up so thoughtfully. The actors are put in so thoughtfully. What they're doing has importance and weight, and it, it transcends time because of all of that. And when you try and copy just what happened in the story, yeah, it's, it's just. <laughs> 
that's not why we like this. Yeah, he's also on the forefront of so much of the technological and the like. Mm -hmm. They combined artistry and technological together, right? Yeah, like, the James Cameron of his time, as Andy said. Yeah, <laughs> but, yeah. but you use technology for well, reasons for yeah, for yeah. meaningful. But reasons. but like yeah, if James Cameron could tell thoughtful humanistic stories, sorry, peace and <laughs> love. But like. But it's like <laughs> Well, the film get, get Carter's they're, poor, they're on a ship and they fall. <laughs> one of them's poor, one of them's rich. It transcends class. <laughs> it's fine. The the film Get Carter is the first one with telescopic zoom. And when you watch that movie, yeah. you're like, why are we zooming? Oh my god, we're zooming. So like yeah. just because you have the technology doesn't mean that doesn't mean ahead. you're doing something profound. Yeah. Yeah. Just because you're I using think, it. I think that feeling of Kurosawa when you watch the movies, you get like it, it's imprinted into it that he's on the forefront of all of this stuff. He's on the forefront yeah. of, mm -hmm. of this level of artistry. He's on the mm -hmm. forefront of, of combining like a love of painting and a love of film, like so that you're seeing like almost like a painting mm -hmm. in front of you, right? Like mm -hmm. as corny as it, I guess kind of is to say that every shot of painting thing, like it's been attributed so many times to like the Kurosawa films, but it really is. But it's and, very true, and um, none so much as this because the use of anamorphic lenses and wide. I'm sorry, Toho Vision, widescreen, aka <laughs> uh, like like you. You get to see someone who had such a huge vision for his films. Look at Seven Samurai. Mm -hmm. Again, maybe one of the greatest films of all time, right? Mm -hmm. And it's so fantastic. But like with this, you get like more. And you get the, the this usage of scope and scale and horizon that is emulating. John Ford ripped this off. Yeah. <laughs> you know, like John Ford. And 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 that's a mutual admiration society. Don't get me wrong, but I'm but I'm just saying that like yeah, John, goes, John Ford ended up being the one like American director that Kurosawa would uh, be like, oh, I study that director, right? Like, yeah, there's, yeah. Like, a, there's like a competition throughout, you know, throughout the mid half of the um, like, you know, the 1900s between Japan. What like once Japan ended, like got into their post-war phase, right? Like, there's a, a heavy competition in the latter half of the you know of the century between Japan right. and the United States, and the first half of the century too, actually for very different reasons. But um that that kind of like level of like back and forth right like someone like kurosawa might not necessarily be like oh i watch all these american directors and you know have gotten so much inspiration but john ford is the one director he's like people have asked him you know um what did you study like what painters did you study what what you know filmmakers did you study and he's like i studied john ford because john ford put yeah. forth incredible vistas and visuals just like yeah. kurosawa did so that that's what he was which again goes back that goes back to like what we i forgot what we're talking about we're talking about how like Charlie Chaplin movies are like, you know, popular in non-English speaking countries because like it gets over in a way that like you can't with like pretty language and But know, I mean I, there's, also, there's also the thing that you can it's you a visual. feel you feel somebody on on the forefront of their craft, right? Like And you know when they're doing time. Look at Danny Boyle 28 days yeah. later, right? Using that crappy crappy digital camera and using it to like like oh my god, this is like I've never seen anything like this. This is scary. This mm -hmm. is scary in a way that these other movies are not because like of, yeah. which now you look at it, it's like anachronistic, but it, it oh still gets over. Cillian Murphy hangs dong in the first three <laughs> seconds. <laughs> but it's, it's, it's very a lot of these directors for whom they get told like every frame is a painting are former artists or, or contemporary illustrators. Yeah, like right, Zaki's right. another version of that. Sure, yeah. I mean, Kubrick, by the way, Kubrick, I think you could do some parallels in Kubrick and mm -hmm. Kurosawa as well, you know, yeah. uh, with that, with that but meticulous. You, you see a lot of the, the paintings that Kurosawa did, like they've saved mm -hmm. a lot of them. And they're, like it's they're, it's such artistry that he puts into all this yeah. stuff oh. and, and the yeah. each drawing that he does for each of his characters. Like the artistry is incredible. Mm -hmm. um, you can really tell, like, like watching even Rand when his fucking eyes were gone, like his eyes were out. He yeah. could not see shit. 
that that fucking thing. Number one, the widescreen, the Toho vision in that in that uh, era of stuff, right? When when he's fucking walking through the the crowd of like you know bodies and everything, and and yeah. all the colors are there, and it's so vivid. Like you you can really just see how um, painting is something that Kurosawa came to uh, film through, even with no no vision, which. I mean, Jesus Christ, like, there isn't, like, some kind of fucking uh, dramatic irony in the world, right, to the forefront of a visual artist vision at some point in their career. Well, well, he, like, and he is, is that, an artist? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. And, and he also has, like, this crew which can see his vision of the paintings yeah. that, that can actually, you know, get it, you know, get it executed so he can focus on other things like the actor's performances. Mm -hmm. it's like storyboarding ahead of time i mean i guess that's why comic books are so keen for movies right now is like oh shit it's already storyboarded for you yeah that movie noah that's uh, great kid we don't have to do anything we already got a storyboard they love unless, it. it's, unless it's alan moore then fuck it just do whatever you want yeah it's better than a wrestling picture let me tell you <laughs> when darren arnofsky did noah um mm -hmm. he, he uh actually oh, I hired he did that yeah, I know. Oh, yeah. <laughs> but but the, the so would he like the only thing about the movie that's really interesting is he actually hired a comic book artist to mm. to uh, to basically make a comic book for it, which that was in his pitch to the to the studio. Oh, was cool. this, uh, and the comic is gorgeous. So like, mm -hmm. um, I, I don't know if it's collected anywhere. I've just seen random pictures of it. You know, like you know, random pages online. Uh, but but it is it is absolutely beautiful and. Uh, uh, almost makes me want to watch that movie. I still don't want to watch it. The thing with Kurosawa, right, is that it, it's that in one person. Like, yes. the ability mm -hmm. to storyboard things and to paint yeah. that way and, and, and visualize every shot ahead of time um, and to direct it and to direct these performances out of yeah. the actors. Like, all of that in one person. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And isn't he, so he's drawing, is he drawing the costumes too? Yeah, he he would he would draw each. Um, he would. I'll, I'll find. I'll find uh, examples. Well, of it. It's why. It's why but some I of his critics said he was almost as imperialist as some of his characters so, too. Yeah. So, sorry, no, we went late there for a second. I, I was gonna say. Um, I, I assume we're doing an after party. So when we do the after party, I'll between shows, I'll uh, grab a couple of the storyboards that Kurosawa did. Oh, okay. Yeah, I was just gonna say like like some of his critics said he was like as imperialist as some of his characters because like he just had this overarching. You know, like later on, we called an auteurist vision, <laughs> but it was way before the auteur theory that like every aspect of it, every part of it, like was was something that, that he was had like a vision for. And, and, he was just and, not good with working with others, is what it was. And, and it would really <laughs> agitate people like all the time. And then they would get more agitated because it was good. And they're like, <laughs> so he was also the costume department too. Yeah, T to B, uh, head cook yeah. and bottle washer. Right, right. So, like, I, some people would get mad at him because it was good too, just not because he was being bossy. Well, yeah. How <laughs> I mean, dare he also be awesome? Why that would you say? You could see why that would break somebody uh, like Toshiro Mifune, who's kind of like a, a James Dean type figure yeah. in Japan, right? Like this, uh, this, this incredible, um, like art artistic kind of force, but at the same time is like constantly rebelling against. Uh, you know the people that put rules in front of him. You right. see why his the fact that Kurosawa is the person that he had the most um, like iconic movie career with is also the person that's like the bossiest. So you can yeah. see why he would get drunk and be like, "Fuck you!" and like throw shit on his lawn. <laughs> but then also like say something incredibly profound and like thoughtful yeah. about him at the same time. Yeah, yeah. like it's inside your two wolves. Sure, basically screaming, <laughs> uh, "You're not my dad!" Right, yeah. right. Exactly. But also, I love you like my dad. <laughs> That's right. So listen, 
Letterboxd is a social media site for film lovers to talk at, with, and to each other about the films that they love, maybe the films they didn't love, the films that all the Zoomers are thirst posting about to show them with these thighs. <laughs> <laughs> so much thirst posting. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Listen, kid, you want to talk about good chunks of meat to share a Mufuni? Let me tell you. <laughs> Delicious. Yeah, you know, with a Mufuni, you get some yams with that meat. like. <laughs> and, of course, all these sentiments are best expressed uh, you know, succinctly. They're not the Siskel's and Ebers of the world, but everyone gets to have their say. They get to chime in, opine about the, the films that they love. And this is best expressed, you know, you, you keep it short. You, you keep it more of a Rashomon rather than it than, than a Seven Samurai. Uh, but it's best expressed succinctly. These are the letterbox one-liners for Hidden Fortress. Let's roll them. God, I love a movie with two dumbass friends. Just a couple of idiots messing stuff up throughout the film. Big fan of that. <laughs> there's there's like the added side of them being also just greedy idiots. Like, you know what I yeah. mean? Like That's I feel great. like that adds a lot a layer to it where it's like Every every time every time there's the slightest inconvenience or like the slightest <laughs> obstacle, they're like, we got to take off with the gold. Right, yeah. <laughs> I, and I do have to admit, like I kept seeing different pairs in other films that these guys reminded me of. I was like, oh, the brownies from Willow, oh Lenny oh, and sure. Squiggy, yeah. like oh, just transcendently hilarious characters. That's right. I, I think that uh, the R two D two C three PO thing it's used to like a cool effect. Um, in that they're just kind of they're just kind of hanging right like there's no mm -hmm. ulterior motive necessarily that like yeah. besides like don't die that like a c3po <laughs> has like a c3po like if, if he goes somewhere else he's not he doesn't have like there's no alternative uh vision for him besides just like kind of moving forward with r2d2 and being his translator it's drained of the self-interest that is isn't this is this film they're just yeah, I think that works better in uh, in Star Wars. But but also Han Solo kind of just has the self-interest. Like, yeah, it's like they sure. split those two characters into two different things. Absolutely. Add Neil Patrick Harris in this 100% could be a Harold and Kumar movie. <laughs> <laughs> it does have like a hang vibe to it. Yeah, I just wish he showed up on a cougar. And... <laughs> that scene was I... cut. Studio car. Okay, okay. I'm, okay. I'm just trying to think of like the the Japanese burger equivalent. <laughs> like, man, we just we just want to yeah. use this gold to buy a bunch of burgers. Like, yeah, we'll have to workshop with, that with Wagyu beef. <laughs> I didn't realize booty shorts were so popular in men's fashion in medieval Japan. It just Kurosawa milks the fuck out of those thighs. He's like. <laughs> And and the and the Princess Yugi character has like a nice has like a nice ass as well. And there's like this one scene where he shoots them from behind mm -hmm. and both of their like thighs are up in the air. And it's like he's really he's going to town on this. Right, right, yeah. right. Yeah. You're gonna fight with a spear and have that much open thigh, but fine. <laughs> <laughs> Why not? Like, I, look, like, I wonder we talk about sexism on this show. Why is it any say, different, right? It yeah. was equal opportunity objectification, and I appreciated that. I wonder if he made them stretch. Like I feel like he definitely made them stretch on on set beforehand. Like this is gonna be a big day. Why don't you uh, Why don't you do some stretches? Do some squats before we hit rolls, so I get some good shots of your thighs. Well, because you want to have you want to have like uh you know all the muscles of your body. You want to have the pump, right? Like mm -hmm. that's right. Mm -hmm. <laughs> We've learned nothing from pumping iron. Yeah, leg day on set must have been crazy. Fun Every day was leg day. Sorry. 
fun movie about two dumbasses trying to survive during a war. <laughs> <laughs> All quiet on the Eastern Front. I was going to say, there's a lot of movies. <laughs> I feel like that was 1917 also, at least for most of it. But anyway. Uh-huh. <laughs> but I mean, you, you even have it in like movies later on, like Ran, uh, that, that he does. Like You have like these images of like two giant armies fighting each other, and then just like two dudes just kind of, or like a bunch of, like a couple dudes just like walking through the just armies. Chilling. Being, like, yeah. Being, like, don't kill us, don't kill us, don't kill us. We, we have... We're not fighting for any side. We yeah, we're just trying to get from point A to point B, man. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I wasn't even supposed to be here today, kind of. Right, right. Exactly, yeah. It's, it's a clerksification of that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> how, did just they, they took from <laughs> how did How How do I get eyebrows like the princess? I need a YouTube tutorial. Well, That's- Andy has got you covered starting at the end. It's on our Discord. No, there's no way that there isn't like some fucking crazy Weibo guy that's like really into Japan that's like, let no me problem. tell you how to do the uh the perfect uh, you know, the the, the perfect eyebrows of a Japanese princess. Dude, follow me on TikTok and yeah, exactly. <laughs> a new hope if R two D two and C three PO were rat bastards. <laughs> I I love that they uh they, they bring in the term which like I I love I love this word in general but like they use it in Star Wars too. Just the word scum. Like uh, yes, they describe fucking, yeah. yeah. Well, they describe they describe uh, like you know they're like never has there been such a such a hub of scum and villainy. And in this, uh, you have the scene where the uh, Rota Rota and the the two peasants calling each other scum. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. They're like you're, you're scum also, just shit like worm. Shit yeah. worm is good too. Yeah, shit, shit worm is great. I think I want to add that to my lexicon. <laughs> it's not a it's not a bad word to add in. Yeah, you're right. No, <laughs> very evocative. Everyone points out the C-3PO and R2-D2 similarities, but no one ever mentioned that these versions are dumb as shit. <laughs> they they just want the gold. <laughs> like, I don't yeah. know. Yeah, they're I mean, not, they're not saying they're in gold. Menza. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> What's he need gold for? This is the best Star Wars movie. Yes. True. Hard to argue with. Kurosawa's Hangout movie. Also true. Also yeah. true. Yeah, very true. Not a bad way at all. Anyway, those are the letterbox one-liners for Hidden Fortress. Please follow the show, movie at Movie Night Extra, our HQ account. We're posting up stories, all the episodes that we cover on this show, as well as uh, plenty of great stuff from the archives. You can also follow the Hidden Forest <laughs> at Always <laughs> Flacco. <laughs> I can't see the forest for the trees. This is, uh, AKA Stupid Peasants. Uh, he's uh, logging the stuff that we do in the show and occasionally doing other stuff as well. I am at Kona Neutron, the Thigh Master Samurai. You're welcome. And I am doing the highbrow, the midbrow, the populist fair. Follow me along for the Criterion Challenge as well as the Film School Dropouts Challenge as well. Thigh Master Samurai just reminds me of the the sad like Tom Cruise last samurai thing and like <laughs> <laughs> imagine Tom Cruise doing stretches in front of a bunch of Japanese gentlemen, like severe looking Japanese gentlemen being like, Yeah, well what do you guys think of these thighs? You know? <laughs> <laughs> they made me one of them. <laughs> J. Andrew Firefest World is calling people shitworm from now on. You can follow him on Letterboxd to see how long he sticks with that. He is watching all the weirdest stuff, so you don't have to, or maybe so you can. He's doing it either way. Lots of Doctor Who episodes. Yeah. <laughs> lots and lots of them. If you need to know which Doctor Who episodes are good. Yeah, 
I mean, there's a Roku channel that literally uses old Doctor Who episodes, and I'll throw them on now and again. Yeah, they're all on. Uh, uh, I'm watching them on Tubi. There you go. So I'm actually going in order, which is which is actually kind of fun. Well, you know what I like about Tubi? Rhymes with boobies. <laughs> True. Uh, KT Valsero, Her Royal Highness, is doing <laughs> at movie runtime. This is a, a great shtick, conceit, uh, concept that uh, she is posting all the reviews for that on her Letterboxd account, which if you do not associate with TikTok, then you can uh, still still engage engage with that content. Exactly. Uh, it's yeah. good stuff. Uh, yeah, this, this has to be the longest movie you've done on her, right? Yes, easily. And, and, and Google checked me into doing it 20 minutes longer than I had intended. But <laughs> still, it was very doable. I burned the equivalent of five pieces of cheesecake. Oh, wow. Nice. <laughs> That's two a, and a half cheeseburgers. That, that's quite a measure, unit of measurement. <laughs> yeah, I was, I was gonna say who, who who measures things and like is this like the the fucking uh, 1930s? Girl, we're gonna teach you how to get rid of five kinds of cheesecake <laughs> in this latest uh, treadmill session. I did a like, 10k. I mean, like one of those gives you the, the like the footage where they have like the dude who's in there shaking the fat around. <laughs> the, that machine, the machine that I never understood what it was for. Them. <laughs> it's literally just like shaking the fat around. Just to remind you, hey, don't stop working out. You're kind of kind of chubby. <laughs> no, I'm, I'm mostly doing it not to lose weight, but to, to kind of regain uh, just any kind of base level of fitness. So just well, just to trick myself into, into working out while having fun and watching movies exactly like this. There you go. There you go. And now it's one last thing we need to cover on the plugs with J. Andrew Firefest World. Please take it away with the plugs. All right. Uh, right now you can uh, follow up. Wait. I'm sorry. My, my uh... <laughs> Take two. My, my apologies. Uh, this isn't uh, live, right? Everybody, back to one. <laughs> no, I uh, somehow like my my all my slides on my um this thing got like completely messed up and they're completely out of order and I've been trying to like reorganize them and mm -hmm. it's not working. So um, bear with me, folks here. Uh, but we uh, always do. <laughs> you're watching us on YouTube, so please do those YouTube things or Instagram. Um, That's true. Yeah, we are. I, I will get there. Um, <laughs> No, sorry. sorry. You, you told them how they were watching us. That's not necessarily true. But yeah, if, you, if you're on YouTube right now, do the YouTube things like, comment, subscribe, hit that bell. And of course, the big uh, ask is to watch the video to the end of the video. That allows other movie fans to find our content. And that also allows you to hear that great Conan Neutron song. There you go. Um, they can, what if they're listening on the podcast, though? Right. Well, they, if, they had to listen to all that uncredited Japanese. They already yeah, they're, they're, they're gonna be like, I have no idea what's happening in this show. <laughs> yeah, I mean, if if you're listening to us on the uh, on the podcast, uh, you know, find us on whatever uh, system you get your uh, podcast from, and give us a review. Give us five stars. We would greatly appreciate that. Um, I used to try to KT. I used to like try to, when it, we had like a foreign movie. I would try to summarize what was said in the clips. I gave that up almost immediately. I did it for like maybe a, a half an episode. I'm like, I'm never doing that again. That's, yeah, that's it's awesome. really hard to do. I always think like maybe I should do this, but it's so hard to like nope. keep up with how fast the the thing has a no forward way. 15 seconds. Just hit that a couple times, you're fine. <laughs> just keep forward until you hear English. Yeah, you we'll know, tell you. To... We'll talk about what we just saw. You'll figure it out. It's yeah, context yeah, we'll clues. I, I will say this though. Um, I have new appreciation for my dad, who would read like all the subtitles to me uh, in like oh. Return of the Jedi when oh. I was like six, um, uh, because like you know that was a lot of work. And um, mm -hmm. you know, how you... else will you know when he says no Jabba Wonka? 
Yeah, <laughs> what do I have? Whoa, 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 whoa. Chobani Han Solo. <laughs> Delicious. Like, yeah, he's going to go to a Chobani with Han Solo. It's awesome. We don't like the new uh, Jabba the Hutt led Willy Wonka movie. <laughs> Jabba no Wonka. <laughs> I hear it's a musical too, by the way, which is like, wow, I already didn't want to see it. Suddenly, I thought we were talking about Mean Girls. I'm like, wait, there's more secret musicals? What are they trying to screw you and me specifically, Conan? We said no musicals. It's it's absolutely exhausting. Look, kids, people don't go see musicals anymore. The only way you can make them go see musicals is if you hide the fact it's a musical. Musicals are the new vegetable. Hide it in the dish. Well, kid, no one's no one wants to eat vegetables, and no one electively wants to see a musical. You gotta hide it. It's like a dog where you give him a pill, put it in some cheese, stick it up under my lip. Delicious. If you're watching us over on Twitch, please do the Twitch thing. What's this up? Um, and of course, the big ask is if you happen to have. A, um, uh, a, a Amazon Prime account. You can mm. subscribe to our channel for free. Does not cost you a penny, but actually helps out the show. So thank you very much if you can do those things. Um, ah, lovely. This is not working well. I don't know what is going on. What the bit? Is that what, what are you talking about? <laughs> <laughs> it's a bit late for that. Yeah, no, that's <laughs> we're already saying. bought in. Yes. <laughs> um, <laughs> can't get my money back on this bit. What? What? You tell me it's free? Oh. Yeah, uh, find us on social media. We are on uh, uh, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and Blue Sky. Um, threads, too. Threads, yes, threads. And please come say hi to us. Which is uh, a really messed up movie, so it's weird that somebody was like, you're not a cinephile, apparently. So, like, okay, <laughs> but whatever. Thank you. Well, <laughs> at least they didn't name it Saw. <laughs> You're right. At least they didn't name it Saw. Move on. <laughs> Mark, Mark Zuckerberg. Mark Zuckerberg's like, okay, our latest feature is called Saw. <laughs> you don't watch a lot of movies, do you? It's called Human Centipede. Anyway, we're also on Discord. Yes, yes. Yes. Because yes. each person's connected to each other in, in the shape of a centipede. <laughs> and that is how we run our Discord. That's how we run our Discord. 100%. <laughs> But yeah, um, if uh, you know Discord's your your uh, favorite social media, we are there. So come find us. Uh, it's popping. There's, there, there's mm-hmm. a link in the uh, just, uh, description of the uh, of this wherever you're getting your 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 feed of us. So so you should be able to find it fairly easy. Right. We also have a Patreon. Um, P- Patreon lets you uh, have access to all of our back episodes and our past. Um, uh, after parties, which we're doing one tonight, and our past checks notes after parties. It says here, uh, we have an after party. <laughs> it looks like a film uh, day party, extra. uh, that happens <laughs> after the main show, I guess. And it <laughs> says here it's forever, <laughs> yeah, exactly. After party, remember we did that bit, Jesus Christ. So it's like, after party forever. It says says in my notes that we have this after party and it's for. I did not sign up for this. (laughs) It's Uh, forever? (laughs) Jesus. I got limited time here. 
but yeah, no, you clearly have- not. I'm on this show. Go ahead. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, if, if you want to help us out, uh, that's a great way to go and uh, support us and get extra content. So uh, go please find us on Patreon. Um, and of course, Conan's up there. Uh, yes. he, he's, he's repping a protonic reversal. He just had on past guest Gerald Gasali. That's right. Mm-hmm. Of the mighty Devo. Correct. Yeah, that was, that was awesome. And, uh, uh, it was uh, a lot of great discussion there. People should check that out. That's on the main feed now. This week, Steve Bartek of Oingo Boingo. That's cool. killing us. So Danny Elfman's right hand man, and yeah, uh, very excited for that as well. That should be good. Um, mm-hmm. And that is Thursdays, of course, eight Eastern, seven Central, six Mountain, five Pacific. Bertonconversal dot com. Ding. <laughs> <laughs> And of course, if you uh, enjoy the music that you hear on the show and you want to get. Oh, and sign up for the Patreon. One dollar a month. I'm fucking unemployed. (laughs) I mean, more so than I was before. (laughs) Welcome to the club. Yeah. So, uh, oh, and uh, oh, Protonic is going to go back to two episodes a week starting next week. So more on that soon. But yeah, sign up one dollar a month. Can't beat it. If you can beat that, show it to me. Because it's $1 a month. It's like, right now, it's 25 cents per episode. And it's going to be (laughs) 12.5 cents per episode for the next couple of months. So, like... For the next couple months, it's going to be 12.5 cents an episode. The American people are sick and tired of Patreons that they pay all this money for, and they only get a couple episodes... From a marketing standpoint, you should say that it's still 25 an episode, but you get one free. So you buy one, you get one free. This one's on me, kid. Yeah, the first one's on me. Did you get him early? The first person to come up with that in a grocery store probably was like killing it so hard. They're like, what if we tell them it's buy one, get one free? And they're like, did we just give them something? And it's like, we buy, no, we just bought out the thing. And yeah, buy one, get one free. And it's like, Whoa! Or like we just found history's greatest genius. The first person to come up with like calling something like nine ninety nine instead of ten dollars. Right, right, exactly. The price point stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah that yeah. was actually a newspaper salesman. Uh, believe it or not. Oh, I kind of just assumed. Uh, it is that from right. Newsies? Because I feel like I blocked Newsies from my memory. No, I, I never watched that. No, no but That's one of terrible. the, the New York newspapers, uh, you know, like like they were just selling for a dollar, and one of them goes, you know, it was the Sunday paper specifically, and uh, one of them just goes, "Let's sell it for ninety nine cents." And that just changed the game because people were just buying it because it seemed so much cheaper. Listen, than- <laughs> it changes the game. <laughs> it changed the game. Talk about newsies. I tell you, that was the one of the first rules for a young Christian male. I said, they got to be singing and dancing when they're selling these newspapers. I don't understand. I would, I would not want to buy a newspaper if someone was singing and dancing at me. But <laughs> no one listened, and it was a huge hit. I think actually, wait, I think it was a total bomb. Never mind. I was thinking of a different film. Uncle Alligator's tired. <laughs> yes, no. So please, we're trying to reversal. Yeah, one dollar yes. on Patreon, and then oh, yeah. 39 percent on Rotten. Thirty nine ninety nine. And of course, uh, Neutron Friends on Bandcamp dot com or music uh, if yes. you want to support Conan that way and get some great tunes. I, I mean, you know. They yes, rock. I agree. Uh, Thank you. Yeah, <laughs> it's, 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 it's my it is my uh, it's my passion, and 
apparently my livelihood. So yeah, go buy, <laughs> buy early and buy often. <laughs> ah, fantastic. Well, see, yeah. be like my, be like the letter hack. Just listen to Wild Antics and the show's theme songs. Maybe Honestly, I guess I got time to put out that record. There you go. It's a, a featured video from uh, Mark Borchardt, friend of the show. So, if you like you seeing go. your music in video form for some reason, which people seem to do. I don't know. <laughs> and, and I know also just like stay tuned for for uh, you know for tour dates, but uh, that's not anytime soon. Stay tuned for tour dates, and we're going to start talking about Caterwall tomorrow. Yes. Caterwall announcements. That's exciting. Mm-hmm. We yeah, also I've been probably seeing the uh, announcement about uh, next week's show. We got uh, the Billy Gould. Billy episode. Gould of Faith the More. Yeah. He's coming on for Fitzcarraldo. And That's so cool. Ostensibly Burden of Dreams, too, because you really can't talk about one without the other. Because Burden of Dreams mm-hmm. is a documentary about the making of Fitzcarraldo, which oh, is undoubtedly. almost as insane as the actual movie. And so I'm really excited for mm-hmm. that. That's, that's, a, that's Billy's, a great. Uh, it's, yeah. He's great. It's been so long since I've seen both of those. So, so I'm very excited. We have never done a Herzog. Wow. I don't think. Have we? No. No, we haven't. We've done Herzog impressions. We've definitely done Herzog impressions. We've done a whole lot of Herzog impressions. We've only done Herzog impressions. I mean, of course, too, like, like you know, Herzog just did a Star Wars. He did. He did. I want to see the baby. (laughs) Show me the baby. (laughs) This is this is is the 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 darker kind of Star Wars. I do a Star Wars, and then uh, you know every everyone comes through, and there's there's no there's no necessarily like a Jedi like big you know big name stars necessarily, but you know I just do what the scripts tell me. The cold, inhospitable nature of space. (laughs) It is lonely. (laughs) It is fruitless. It is pointless. Yet still they soldier on. <laughs> Give that man an Emmy. <laughs> <laughs> nope, secession's uh, so it's all gonna go to secession. Nope. B for succession. That's it. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> that's, that's or the, the bear. Rubble, if it's a comedy. Is. Yeah, exactly. Better uh, call okay. who? No. We we're not picking up our phone once today. Sorry, sorry. Been checking on for a while, a couple of years, right? I don't know. It's six seasons. Yeah, six seasons. Yeah, one, two, six seasons. Like Fifty-eight <laughs> nominations. Yeah, yeah, no yeah. wins. It's no wins. Go, it's gotta go community. It's gotta have six seasons in a movie. Exactly. Yes, that's right. That's right. Yeah, What's next? Best picture. Um, <laughs> <laughs> it, in a surprising turn of events, Better Call Saul, a television series, actually won Best Picture. <laughs> a television series that's not on the air anymore. Mm-hmm. Um, Christina, you know, sadly is uh, feeling under the weather tonight, but y'all can uh, still support her. Check out her Twitch channel and, of course, um, go support her on Patreon. So uh, just uh, Cosmopolitics on uh, all the social media. So go find her there or support her and tell her to feel better because we, we, we did miss her tonight. Mm-hmm. That's right. She will be she'll be here next week though because we're following up the Fitzgeraldo Burden of Dreams episode with our Oscars announcements, uh, which is gonna be all of the episodes we're doing uh for Oscar season and kind of give you a glimpse of the coverage you're gonna see, just like last year. So uh if me and her are gonna cover that, or awesome. if she, she's not feeling well, I guess it'll just be me. <laughs> no, you and then I want you to get a wig and and do some puppetry. I'll, I'll just, just I'll get up bo- to it. I'll play both roles in a surprising Lipstick. turn of events. 
two googly eyes. Yeah, it's just like uh, that episode of South Park with uh, yeah. uh Jennifer, mm-hmm. Jennifer Lopez. Jennifer Lopez. <laughs> That's exactly what it's going for. Thanks, guys. No, uh, we, we've, we've been working really hard to produce the Oscar season coverage, and uh, we're looking forward to unrolling it, unraveling it, and, and revealing to people in a very interesting, cool way that's hopefully will mm-hmm. drive some more participa- participation as well this year, as well as conversation. And probably no maestro. Participation, participation. <laughs> Much to everybody's relief. <laughs> <laughs> And of course, you know, KT's over there getting her uh, reps in, uh, mm-hmm. you know, with uh, runtime. And mm-hmm. uh, of course, check out Starwell Foundation. Yes, Starwell Foundation. The season is full over. So you can, you know, listen to the whole thing. If you're the kind of person who's like, I don't like cliffhangers, I'm going to binge it all. It's I'm available. Gonna binge, for I'm going to binge it. Binge it. It's so much fun. It's you really fun. Just, you, you can't just start me on the binge and not let me, let me finish, man. Yeah, yeah, I got, I got the needs. Um, and then other than that, you can uh, also catch my uh, "What If I Don't Like It" podcast, which is where we take someone on and we get them to engage in a movie they haven't seen but they thought they might not like in a genre or with an actor or something that they they don't typically like. Uh, give them some context. Try and see if we can find an exception to that rule, and then we see if we succeed. Uh, the last episode it, just came out goes. yesterday. If it goes well, you should expand it out and make people try like experiences they've never tried. <laughs> so like <laughs> everything from like skydiving, <laughs> you try to convince somebody to do skydiving to try to convince somebody to like try, you know, like sushi or something for the first time. And you just mm-hmm. ramp it up every episode. So it's like some people are like, well, I've, I've never jumped out of a plane. And you're like, do it. Jump out of that plane. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> get the get the uh, do the thing where you do the parachute off Mount Tom. Like, Dude. like that'd be a great episode. If any of y'all want to try flying trapeze, I'm also your person. I'll get you up there. We'll get you out on that That's hanging nice. by your knees. It's wonderful. Um, this last episode that came out yesterday was about Raiders of the Lost Ark. I had a friend who had just not ever seen any Indiana Jones and was a little scared. So we watched that first one together and we talked about it. it. <laughs> and then and at the end, I was like, get out of this. I made him stand on a submarine and go to Europe. Um, <laughs> He uh, he and I had so much to talk about. This episode goes a little long because it's a, a movie I love, and you know it's yeah. easy to talk about. I listened to it; it was good. Thank you. And and tomorrow, uh, Coda and I will be recording because my my podcast is not live; it's it's edited, it's canned. Um, we'll be recording his because he doesn't like romance movies. I don't like romance not at movies, all. <laughs> which is what's hard. You you gave me a challenge. I was like, no. Yeah, um, now he gets to see Nicolas Cage and his uh, wife Peter with the. You know, mm-hmm. the- we're gonna watch Moonstruck, yeah. Right. yeah. Which I'm looking for. I, I've never seen it, so I'm looking forward to that. Mm-hmm. Everyone thinks it's musicals. It's like, no, I just, I just think most musicals are bad. I don't hate yeah. the form. I just, mm-hmm. I just think that like most of the ones that come up on the show aren't good. But well, like, I honestly really do not do not like, especially romantic comedies. I don't feel like they're neither romantic nor comedic. Usually. I yes. saw. We, I talked so, about this with KT when I did my episode with her. But I saw Moonstruck. Yeah. In a in a classroom where they were teaching us how to do screenwriting. That blows my and, mind. By the and way, they used right? it as like a, um, they used it as one of the examples of like a, a thing to do, like you know, for screenwriting. Yeah, yeah, it's 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 impressively good because I also went into it. I was like, all right, AFI's top ten best romance films. A lot of them are very very old, which you know, those movies always are hard for uh, me because I feel uh, like uh, show, the women are that, not show. really. 
Sorry. Show that team you mean business, huh? Let's go in there. Exactly, exactly. A lot of grabbing, a lot of, a lot of that. Um, but the three that are more contemporary are Annie Hall, not the biggest Woody Allen fan. I like Annie Hall, but that's really tough to say right now because it's like. Yeah, it's, it's, you know, it's a good movie. It's fine. It's yeah, got today's, moments. In today's uh, cancel, cancel-filled culture. <laughs> uh, the other one is When Harry Met Sally, and we've both yeah. seen that one already, and that's usually yeah. the one that people go to where they're like, I don't like romance, but I do it's fine. not it's mind good. It's Yeah, fine. It, it didn't blow my mind or anything, but it's, oh, it's good. I get it. I get why people quote it. You know, you know, and you know I went to a Cats is Delicate Contestant, and nobody had an orgasm. I was very mad about <laughs> oh, that. I wonder if that was correlative <laughs> or causative. Thank you, Sean. Um, and then there's Moonstruck, and I, right. I watched Which it I've ahead never of seen. time. I, of course, I, have, I know what it is, but I, I've never seen mm, it. So. Yeah, I have to say, it's it's really impressive how much it still works and how how right. heartwarming I found. I have this. I will show, literally I be the judge session. of that, but okay. I will give you the hype <laughs> session tomorrow, and we'll get to yeah, right. <laughs> I'm excited though, because honestly, like in that format, there's very few movies I could think of that I like really love, and and mm -hmm. t and two of them are by Richard Linklater, which is Before Sunset and Before Sunrise, and, mm -hmm. and, and like which blew my mind as far as, uh, and, and I, I might give it up for um, in the mood for love too. For everybody's favorite, but mine, one car. Why? <laughs> <laughs> uh, but it's it's they're few and far between. I feel like they're exceptions to the rule. And I just feel like I, it's, my main problem with this, I feel like it's a lazy genre. It's very formulaic, often. Formulaic. It doesn't. Mm -hmm. it, it, and again, you, you want to hear more about this? You're gonna have to like listen to this yeah. episode of KT Show. This is, this is pre shit for tomorrow. So we're but, gonna. But to. I got a lot of thoughts. Shocking, Good. literally nobody. Good. <laughs> <laughs> And I'm excited. It's good. It's a good show. I've listened to every episode so far. So. Thank you so much. Yeah, we got four episodes out. You can get them on Spotify. You can get them on Apple. You can get them on YouTube. It's, it's fun. It'll get you wherever you want it. Uh, KT, do you have some final thoughts about this, The Hidden Fortress? I think this is a, a really good one to go into if you are not really a Kurosawa person, maybe you haven't really seen too many of his films, because like you guys said, the other ones are a little heady, a little heavy. Um, this one's really just very watchable. And then when you can see what we're talking about with regards to how compelling the imagery is and how really good the acting is, when it's not even in the language that you speak, then you'll be able to sit down and watch the longer ones with the heavier meaning with more going on and you'll you won't feel like it's work you'll just be enjoying more and more of his stuff for sure nice uh andy you got some uh some final thoughts this movie might be the first film that uh, had a had a song in it you know like a popular song like at the fire festival and then they revisit it later in the film and, and sing it in a minor key um i, I know it's a trope now but uh, that you know, people people don't give uh, Kurosawa credit for that. But that is in this film, and this might be the first example of it. Great. And then, they, and then they play, they have it again afterwards, where the guy is kind of just yeah. humming it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's just it was works great. though. Works. Every time somebody hears that song, they like change their mind towards the peasantry. <laughs> like, you know what? Maybe I've been too hard on everybody. Um, but Conan, final thoughts. Yeah, this is a fantastic adventure movie, and while he might have made better films for me this is the most fun and probably the most watchable and it, yes it was an inspiration for star wars you know the wipe transitions the usage of widescreen and uh Tehei and uh, metasishi basically being dirtbag version of c3po and r2d2 <laughs> narratively blundering and wandering through the tale uh but telling the story by centering the characters with the lowest social standing 
uh, very unique, cool, and worth celebrating. And you have the the contrast of that with uh, Tashiro Mifune as Mikabe, uh, who's a stoic. He's badass. It's like I said, comically masculine, right? And giving representation for thigh lovers everywhere. <laughs> and uh, Princess Yuki, a newcomer to film, uh, brilliant with her staunch seriousness and intensity, and such a great regal contrast with the bumbling dudes. So visually thrilling. Uh, the huge cro- crowd shots are, uh, I almost said crotch shots, would be different. Uh, crowd shots are masterful and. Both are really masterful. Yeah, yeah. I mean, with those shorts, you have to be masterful with your crotch shots. Let's <laughs> credit for credits, too. Uh, it's the first of Kurosawa's, uh, they call it Toho Vision features. Meaning it was the first one made for the widescreen, which, uh, boy, it is, because this movie rocks. And uh, glad to be talking about it. All right. So we're going to hop on over to the after party. Um, you know, excited to uh, I, I have the clips of uh, George Lucas uh, talking oh, cool. about it. I'm going to play in the after right. party. And I found the um, the screen grabbed uh, uh, set pieces that um, Kurosawa designed, like the pictures of them. So nice. we're going to we're going to talk about those things over there in the after party. 